Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you from SideQuest Studios, this is The Simpsons Index, episode 164. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot Jaranil, and joining me in the studio here as always, except when he's not, BT Calloway. Uh, hi, hi. And joining us all the way from South Australia, from Baby Beard Media, is Ellen. Hello, how are we doing? Doing good, thank you very much for joining us today, and this of course is The Simpsons Index, a podcast where we watch and review three episodes of The Simpsons at a time, but there's a twist, each episode must come from a different decade. Today we've got a bit of a theme going on, we're sort of looking at the evolution of Lisa's character. You're... By going backwards? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, Ellen, very much for joining us for this episode where we're going to get our way to Elisa the Vegetarian, but first, we must go via the HD era with the similarly named episode, Season 27, Episode 15, Lisa the Veterinarian. Can I just say, I, I almost had a heart attack you saying Lisa the Vegetarian then, because I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> I'm sure I double-checked it a billion times just to make sure that we were doing Lisa mm-hmm. the Veterinarian, not Lisa yeah. the Vegetarian, but yeah. yeah. I I keep getting you on for these similarly named episodes, like recently had you on for Holidays of Future Past and Days of Future Future. It's like you know I have anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) You monster, Elliot. (laughs) But no, Lisa the Veterinarian, this Mm. one, first released in March of 2016, directed by Stephen Dean Moore, written by Futurama alum Dan Weber. Dan Weber. Dan Weber. I like to imagine he's a vampire. Dan Weber. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's Spider Man. Yeah. (laughs) I brought the script. (laughs) In this episode, yeah, Lisa becomes a veterinarian and veterinary. Vet. She Lisa becomes a vet, and <laughs> in the B story, mum, uh, mum. <laughs> oh my god, For, uh, Freudian slip much? Is she not yeah. all of our mums? God, I felt like when I called the teacher mum. That's oh, oh god, I'm so gonna make fun of you at recess. <laughs> Don't. Technically, she's mom or mom, m- mom, mom, mom. Ma'am. Oh. not mom, mom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Marge becomes a crime cleanup lady. Uh, g- hey, what do we think? I had a few chuckles in this episode. Yeah. yeah, like there was literally a bit where I, it's only because it taps into my worst fucking fear, but I literally gasped. I was like. <gasps> she gasped? Was, yeah, because leaving an animal alone and forgetting it and letting it wither away to neglect is like one of my biggest fears. Like I've had dreams about it. I mean, I have a rabbit now, Mm. but even still sometimes like, I guess it's the kind of thing about being a pet owner. You're always just like, oh my God, did I forget this? Or did I forget this? Or is he eating well? Mm -hmm. What's he thinking? It is one of my recurring nightmares actually, like forgetting that I was put in charge of family pets that I had like over a decade ago. Yeah. Who have long since been dead and I've like still have these recurring nightmares oh crap i was looking after them this weekend i'm naked at school and i forgot to feed the dogs and wait a second <laughs> and i just called the teacher mom <laughs> yeah that actually happened to me once um not it happening not neglecting an animal mm. but i had a dog sitting job oh yeah i think it had been like a, a stressful week and whatever and for some reason i just got it into my head that it was like the 20th of that month and it was like on the 23rd that I was like, oh, am I meant to be looking after the dogs? Oh my God. Oh my God. And like, I literally just, as soon as I finished work, like drove straight there. I probably 
look, no cops caught me, but I was probably <laughs> not doing the speed limit. Yeah, managed to get there and the house is locked up and everything. And I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. Why didn't I just ring the owner? Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was like an hour away as well. So mm. like up in fucking whoop whoop and in the hills. And so I just like drove like a bat out of hell to this dog sitter place. And yep, it was not needed until the next month. Oh, so no. remember to have your diary on you so you can double check it for things like this instead <laughs> of having vague random notes in your I mean, phone. That's okay because, you know, speeding is allowed when there's a dog in jeopardy. Mm. I would think so, right? I mean, yeah. if I told an officer that and he yeah. said, no, you're still going to jail. Well, heaven have mercy on his soul, you know, mm-hmm. and I exactly. am saying his. <laughs> I am being sexist here. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hook into this episode. BT, for better or worse, what stands out to you? I mean, this episode sure did exist. Um, so this being a, an episode about, you know, vets and things and medical procedures, having recently completed my first aid certificate again, oh, I can you. tell oh. you that that's not how you do CPR. That's not how defibrillation works. But that is how an EpiPen works. So nice. Yes. Oh. But would it work on an animal, I ask? Uh, I uh, surely. What a vet? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do your first aid course in vet. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I have seen charts on how to do CPR on a dog, but I'm just like, how do you put your mouth over their mouth? Completely different shapes. Uh, Anyway, right into me. (laughs) Close the jaw, go through the nose. Oh. Oh. Ew. (laughs) Dog's not. (laughs) With a mask if you have one. (laughs) Vets really are the MVPs. They will do that for your dog. So just let's give a little moment to the vets out there. Mm -hmm. Shout out to all our vet friends. (laughs) We've got to have one out there. At least, statistically. And our crime scene cleaner friends. Oh, yes, especially you people. Enjoy that drink at night. You've earned it. (laughs) Clip your little booze light on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like Lisa doing CPR on the raccoon, the thing that actually worked was the slap across the face. Which step of Doctors ABCD was that? S. S. Oh. (laughs) For slap. (laughs) Along with a, like, dramatic, don't you die on me, you son of a bitch. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They teach you dramatic readings in first aid. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) St. John's are really bringing it. That's awesome. (laughs) How about you, Ellen? What's something that stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? Even though I had a lot of little things that I liked in it, the thing that stands out to me is just a one-liner that really falls flat. And I think it's indicative of just how much dead space and dead weight there is in this episode it's Mm. like before she goes into the vet lisa kind of exclaims like oh this job would be heaven and then she needs to restrain the ferret so that it can restart its stink glands Mm -hmm. and then after that happens she just goes heaven ew when it starts to stink but it was just Mm. such a nothing line and it took up so much time to get there. Yeah. There were lots of moments in this mm. episode that just really took out a lot of steam from what could otherwise be some really cool ideas and really cool um, concepts and ways to push the characters. And especially because that one was an act break joke as well. And I know like ad break jokes don't really have the impact that they once did, but you still get the dark screen and a little bit of a fade in and you know when they're sort of segmenting the episode and they do it then. And I agree, it totally falls flat. And later on, the second act break was, that's my patient. You know, when the goat's running around destroying and it's so like 80s sitcom especially the delivery, that's my patient. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's just sad because there are some, like, kind of funny 
setups or funny jokes like hidden throughout, but it was just like, uh, it just really felt like kind of homework, like laboring to get to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I just realized? Neither story resets to zero. Lisa oh, yeah. still works there and Marge is still a crime cleaner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that's the part of the story that stands out to me as the Marge storyline, mm. which... I Such potential. So much potential. Yeah, it's a really funny premise. Mm. And I felt like the scenes that they had there were right and fine and had the right character beats, but I felt like it was missing at least two or three a scenes. Lot. Whereas it could have really fit in well with Marge being a really good cleaner. Like, I mean, yeah. have it be that burden of being good at something you don't like doing, but that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like there's a podcast I listen to called The Cleaning of John Doe, which is from a crime scene cleaner. And it's a very emotional job as well. Like families and people are, are relying on you to mm. carry this emotional burden. Yeah. So like I feel like there could have been a really interesting hook here for Marge. Like it makes sense Lisa wanting to be a vet because she loves animals, yeah. but it was mm-hmm. just like I feel like you could have finessed this a lot more. Yeah. I th- yeah, finesse. I think that's the word that it's missing because, yeah, you need that scene of Marge being traumatised because when she was drinking in bed, that scene didn't really feel earned, mm-hmm. especially with the jokiness of looking around the previous crime scene to find a clean apartment except for organs falling from the roof. Like, <laughs> it yeah. felt a bit too jokey for the setup of the next scene. Yeah, especially because, you know, the whole thing is she walks in this crime scene, looks around, there's no problem, then stuff starts dripping from the ceiling. She's like, I'll just clean this tape. It doesn't imply that she then worked on the scene itself. Mm. Yeah, um, like, and, you know, it's still The Simpsons. You don't want it to get too, like, morbid or dark or whatever, but, mm-hmm. you know, this is the road they walk down, and yeah. it's like... Yeah. This w- is the plotline they've given her. Give her the plotline. I God's mean, sake. we also had home with PTSD after remembering finding that corpse in the dam, so yeah. I, I, you can do this in really honest ways and follow the kind of character through the journey that you set up for them. Yeah, absolutely. She even has a line where, you know, Homer reminds her of a bloated corpse that yeah. she yeah. was cleaning <laughs> I didn't mind that. Which is quite funny. But it's like that, you know, you clean up organs and the detritus of life Mm -hmm. and yet you have to be surrounded by life all the time and let it not affect you even though you know people around you are just giblets waiting to happen. (laughs) No, definitely. And I think, yeah, there was more of a parallel that they could have drawn with Lisa and, yeah, her vet job, which... I don't know. I thought it should have dealt with more trauma on the job. It seemed like a very easy vet practice to work for. Yeah. I mean, very easy plotline to have her, yeah, unable to save someone else's animal and she's only ever been around animals that survived and now she has to deal with, nope, sometimes they die and you got to keep working. Yeah. Yeah. Which i got to give the story credit where it's due, where Nibbles is something they set up at the beginning, brought it back to the end and dovetailed Marge's and Lisa's storyline. So Mm -hmm. a couple of points in that favour, but it didn't feel super satisfying. No. No. It just felt like a first draft to me. Like, yeah, the bones all, are there. Like, there's all these little bits that I'm like, oh, interesting. Oh, that's a funny gag or blah, blah, blah. But just how it's all strung together just felt really unsatisfying. No, definitely. Mm. And just one second. I am so sorry, guys. I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair. Classic Elliot. With Throw. what toilet paper, Elliot? I oh, know. We're, we're good for toilet paper. We're fine. <laughs> we're yeah, yeah. Set. No, you go. We'll keep yeah. it running. Just keep this podcast so... Don't know what to call this corner. The, L- <laughs> the BT and Ellen. Yeah. The, the BTE. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, now hey. we're getting somewhere. Let's break and enter into something. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, there's not even fashion corner because no. no. I was gonna. I mean, they all had winter clothing on instead of their usual character models, so I yeah. assume that might come into it. But um, I mean, I don't even remember their swimsuits. Marge is dressed terribly for her job. <laughs> yeah, true. where's the PPE? Where you can't. Organs are falling from the ceiling, yeah. Marge. You can't wear a strapless green dress for that. That's that's insane. No. Need a clean suit at least, if not overalls. And she's got like a nice little jacket on. Ah. Uh, I mean, the bandanas are a step in the right direction. Yeah. But fuck me. like. <laughs> I mean, and there were plenty of scenes where Lisa wasn't wearing gloves. So uh, maybe this is oh, yeah. Ellen's PPE corner. <laughs> Wink. Wear PPE, you fucks. And wash your hands. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see any hand washing. He's back. Okay. That's all right. We were just doing yeah. um, personal protective. What's the E in PPE? Equipment. Equipment corner. <laughs> in that no one's wearing any. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Irresponsible. Just a complete violation of OH&S. <laughs> I mean, it's also very irresponsible to have like... To have an eight-year-old uh, inject <laughs> something into a dog. I used to do that all the time for my dog, actually. I, I, I did, did enjoy the line of, uh, yeah, you've got to inject him exactly. One millimetre either way will not make a difference at all. No. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a diabetic dog, so you just had to grab, like, the scruff of her neck and, like, just oh. poke through and mm-hmm. just give Gosh. her an old syringe full of insulin. Was mm-hmm. that traumatising at all or did you get used to it? Oh, it was like worrying at first because, you know, oh, I don't want to hurt her, but, you know, yeah. the skin's so thick there that, yeah, she barely noticed. Mm. Yeah, because, like, that's the thing. When I was a kid, people would always ask, like, oh, are you going to become a vet? Because I was just so gonzo for animals. Like, I just love them. Mm. But I'm like, fuck no. Like, are you kidding me? That that means that most of my job is going to be high stress mm-hmm. involving life or death of these animals. And even if it is okay at the end, a lot of these times you still have to hurt them. Like whether or not the animal is under anesthetic and like conscious or not, I would have to possibly break bones or saw them open or blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it takes a lot of distancing yourself from the situation to be able to get past. I am cutting through a living creature right now, you know? Yeah. I had a friend who was studying to be a vet and like just sort of doing like some volunteer work just to see if it's something she wanted to do and yeah had to what is it called release the anal glands once and (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh dog didn't like it she didn't like it no one likes it (laughs) and the vet laughed (laughs) oh gosh yep that's a juicy subject (laughs) (laughs) yeah so play count have you seen this episode before bt no ellen hell no this is only my second time watching it. I generally haven't watched most of, like, post-26 more than once. Mm-hmm. So, like, because this probably came around out at around the time we started doing the podcast. Oh, really? Almost four years ago now. Wow. wow. Let's all have a flashback to then. <laughs> <laughs> my, those harps are pleasant. <laughs> Ellen on the flashback harps. You got it. Hey, that's why I brought this whole big harp into the recording space. I was wondering. (laughs) So on the Simpsons Index, we like to explore, you know, the balance that Simpsons hit between wackiness and heart. So was this a particularly wacky episode of the Simpsons? Uh, I think it was fairly wacky. I mean, there's enough of that corpse on the ceiling for a full foot and a heart to fall down. (laughs) (laughs) So I have questions, but that's not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also you've got Boozy Australian and Meth Mum on a taser. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Boozy Australian is a very high setting. (laughs) 
Oh, man. <laughs> but also low here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we embarrass ourselves on vacation. Uh, oh, don't uh, we? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the intro bit with, you know, the water park and all that, that was due for some wackiness, but I thought it was more subdued. <laughs> yes. Um, Clever. Well done, sparkling <laughs> wordplay there. Um, I do want to point out that Ralph like gets stuck in a tube or something like that and then gets ejected out, and he's, when he gets thrown out, he says, I saw heaven. Uh, this extends the theory that Ralph is the next incarnation of Buddha because <laughs> no one revives him. He apparently dies and sees heaven, but no one is there to actually revive him from death. So he just revived himself. Wow. Or he reincarnated as Ralph. Mm, these are things to think about. Mm. <laughs> well, in the episodes, the future jump ones that you reviewed with us, Ellen, we saw, you know, cloning Ralph technology in the future has just gone out of hand. I wanted so to maybe it's that. already happened, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Have we already started seeing cloning Ralph? What number Ralph is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, this was just, yeah, another disappointing Ralph for me this episode. We saw you on the picture radio. Like, I don't know. They just don't write dumb Ralph good anymore. Yeah. Dumb Ralph, yeah. no good. <laughs> <laughs> what was some other wackiness that stood out to you guys? Uh, when Lisa kind of revives Mr. Teeny and then he just shoots all the salsa into Krusty's mouth and then Krusty passes out, I do like that Mr. Teeny just bolts. <laughs> but it does like a good misdirection where you think Teeny's going to jump on his chest, but he jumps yeah. on the couch and heads out the window, yep. then comes back with the salsa bottle and just smacks him in the head. <laughs> yeah, it was a good thunk as well. Oh, very good folly on that thunk. Yeah. We're usually criticising the sound design of Simpsons. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. And this one too, it's very silent. Yeah. There were a few things that like, I don't know, someone must have brought it up in the writing room because it is so specific and I can relate to like the water park of Bart getting Lisa's hair wet before I wanted to get it wet. <laughs> yeah. like, there's always that moment where you're like, okay, when do I submerge my full body mm. under the water? And it's like, you want it to come like around halfway. So yeah. <laughs> you don't have wet <laughs> hair like, I'll do it time. later, but when I'm ready. I'll do it later after we've taken some pictures. Um, mm. And then uh, Lisa very excitedly relaying this story to Marge about how she saved the raccoon and how she felt this thrill and, and blah, 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 blah. And then Marge just, she talks about the traffic or something and Lisa mm. just goes, well, that ends the moment being about me. Yeah. <laughs> so me and my mum. Like, oh, right. like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, and, you know, our podcast company is doing this, blah, blah. And my mum's like, yeah, should I get uh, more capsicum? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't live with you. <laughs> Fucking hell. I was trying to do something here. Because, yeah, this hasn't been like a typical HD era episode for me. There is like a lot of these relatable pe moments peppered throughout. Mm. And mm. It's just, yeah, that the start and end were just sort of a bit stale for me. Yeah. yeah. It's like a good egg salad sandwich on stale bread. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you are. <laughs> but also, yeah, that's not quite uh, how sandwiches work. And we yeah. talk a lot about sandwiches. You eat the whole thing. Like, do you eat the bread, then the filling, then the bottom bread? Oh, yeah. Is that how you eat sandwiches, Elliot? Because I don't know if we can still be roommates if you do. I just, I feel very uncomfortable. I eat them vertically. Thank God I'm 1.5 uh, meters away from you. Vertically. <laughs> The other wacky moment I wanted to mention, and this is a joke that I liked that I think they just went the extra beat too long on, which was, Homer, stop eating the chili out of the colander. <laughs> and just a dripping on Homer yeah. as he's eating. It was such a great visual. But then that he goes, nice. Merge, it's called a calendar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, you had it. You had it and you lost it all. 
Like, surely it should be a line about why he's using the colander or, like, something. Or yeah. just the visual. I yeah. think that was the joke. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? It's, it's a great visual because it's disgusting. <laughs> 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 and how about the other side of it? How about the heart of the episode? Did you feel the bumps? The egg salad of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the beating, pulsating egg salad. How do you people eat this egg salad sandwiches? <laughs> I'm just I'm confused and scared. I'm picturing eggs with pulses. Ah, <laughs> that's a chick. We call it. <laughs> True. Um, I didn't feel a lot of heart from mm. this episode. I mean, I like it had it had the setup for it, and it had me all primed. But it was I just didn't care about a lot of it, and even the. The whole kind of emotional thing culminating in Marge and Lisa, Marge being there for Lisa when she's really upset, just didn't feel earned. Yeah. And like, I mean, you can kind of tell because they haven't, apart from the start of this episode, they haven't been in contact at all. They haven't spoken about these different jobs. Their, their paths haven't been similar. So it's not like a like mother, like daughter thing. And when they're hugging it out they're both speaking dialogue pertaining to their specific situation but just talking over each other mm, yeah. which is just like you're not even listening to each other and it's just like yeah it just felt really really unearned so no, that's a fair yeah. point because there's no point where after the initial setup where they intersect like surely there should be a bit where Lisa's all excited talking about oh, I saved this today and I helped this animal do this and Marge is like everything dies in the end what does it matter sweetie <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, because that's the path both of them are on. Lisa's there to preserve life and Marge is dealing with people at the end of it. And it's, yeah, yeah the fact they don't have any relation to each other. Yeah, it makes that ending just, okay, this is done now. Yeah. We're, and it could have been nice to see them kind of intersect and team up throughout this episode. Yeah. Like, what if Marge brought in um, an organ for Lisa to, like, practice on? <laughs> and Lisa's like, I don't, this feels different from, like, a cow heart. And Marge is like... Hmm. You'll learn, sweetie, hmm. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just meat. Because um, the whole resolution for Marge is, oh, I know what makes me feel alive again, looking after my children. It's like, you have three and one of them is a baby. Pretty yeah. sure that one needs you. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird to, yeah, it's, they don't need you enough for you to realize. Okay, sure, whatever. Mm. Yeah, and Ellen, you mentioning before the scene with Lisa going, and the story's not about me anymore. Like I'd forgotten that happened and it's mm. like, yeah, they were going to set up this sort of divide that they didn't really carry through enough and I feel like yeah things like the ceiling fan and yeah Bart and Homer were kind of a distraction because mm. mm. it feels like with the heart as well with Bart like going to Lisa oh you're getting high on your own supply and you <laughs> look at you with the hubris now like yeah. to when he pulls the hamster out because there wasn't a reminder of the hamster somewhere yeah. in the middle of the episode again that didn't feel earned yeah and, yeah, with the shoehorning in with the, oh, by the way, this hamster was also the hamster from all those other episodes of The Simpsons at the end. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. that fine, seems... Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I think Nibbles has probably been replaced before. This might be Nibbles <laughs> At least three. once. At least once. Yeah, if there's five snowballs, there's mm. <laughs> there yeah. could be more Nibbles. <laughs> but ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Mm. Again bare bones the ideas are certainly there and no characters yeah. particularly off brand but it just it isn't finished mm. yes similar for me like i said it before but it f just feels like a first draft mm. yeah 
and you know we're seeing a bending of Marge's character being you know very emotionally distant and clearly traumatized and yeah. stuff and I still like yeah that's all fitting in but again but not yeah, earned but that's like such a deep thing and then they kind of just gloss over it and it's like if you're gonna go yeah. there go there don't paint over it mm. Mm. not fully but yes or no would you watch it again mm, no not really I don't see a real point I think I got everything out of this episode it has no, yeah. I think I'm going to scrub through and get the chili colander scene and then <laughs> cut off the joke I didn't like, and yeah, yeah that's about it. <laughs> There's your gif. Yeah, you're going to give that. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll start with you, Ellen. What would you like to change about this episode? I would like to just follow the emotional through line of both of the characters, you know, whether or not it makes them completely separate stories. I would prefer it if we committed to the seriousness of Lisa being a vet and Marge being a crime scene cleaner and have them kind of intersect throughout the story. You know, how are these jobs changing them as people and how are they relating to each other? Mm. And then how do they manage to kind of find the balance and resolve those emotional problems that this is kind of bringing about? No, totally. Yeah. And what about you, BT? I mean, I think we've put it in dribs and drabs throughout this whole thing. But yeah, it's like, here are two people doing drastically different things with their lives that are completely changing them as people who live in the same house who never intersect. And it's yeah. yeah. really weird. And yeah, look, we've thrown some ideas around. Uh, it just, it feels like it's a script that's fine. It just needs a bunch more passes. It feels just incomplete. And so we've already thrown out some ideas there, but follow your own plots, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just piggybacking off those ideas, guys, like my big thing is that just again i don't really want a simpsons episode to be too dark but sometimes when they are they explore deep hard to deal with subjects with light-hearted good humor that makes it all relatable and the fact that marge and lisa's jobs are both dealing with death i think is an interesting plot point that they really didn't hit on enough. yeah this is what season 24 27 27 yeah at this point fuck it do a deep episode yeah, yeah. go and dark i mean come on do something also the fact that it's two of our female characters in the family and these are kind of feminine problems like feminine occupations to kind of bring life and to be there at the end of it mm. i think there could have been something really nice in seeing what kind of conversation they would have with each other especially because Marge and Lisa are so diametrically opposed on certain things that they can really bring out the best in each other sometimes. Yeah, they really let these characters down. Like in Holidays of Future Past, an episode which, you know, we all pretty well liked, but yeah, yeah they didn't hammer home that dynamic enough. And Yeah, because, yeah, that's a very deep, interesting dynamic. But even if you didn't want to go that deep, appreciate that they've both got new jobs. One's feeling great about it, the other one's feeling terrible. There's mm. something to be said for that. It's just, yeah, so simple, and yet nothing. Absolutely. And guest star of the episode, just one. Who picked up who was playing Dr. Budgie? Nope, I'm terrible at picking up voices. (laughs) BT? Meryl Streep? No, you bloody done it again. No, uh, returning Simpsons often guest star, Michael York. Um, Really? Yeah. Oh, um, oh yeah. that's fucking the dude from Austin Powers, right? Yeah. I know he's done other stuff, guys. Don't <laughs> at me. I'm a millennial. <laughs> no, that's uh, our closest, uh, yeah. biggest touch point for him as well. Yeah, <laughs> Playing Basil Exposition. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Being so very British. Oh, shit, actually, wasn't he in, um, oh my God, Cabaret? Oh, was he? Yeah, fairly sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're bad with musicals. It's, well, BT is good with musical soundtracks. I don't want to be. It was forced into my skull. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what, like he didn't get kidnapped and tortured with um, Oklahoma or anything. It no. was just growing up in a house. Growing up in a house where mum had like three musical CDs and played them on end. So the best of Andrew uh... Lloyd Webber I've got in there. Oklahoma's in there. Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. The best of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Isn't that an oxymoron? Uh, <laughs> apparently not. Two CD special edition set. Oh, God, there were two. All of it is in there. Sound of Music as well. Wow. Um, what was the question again? Oh, Michael York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought he was okay in this episode, but he was a little slow with his delivery. So, and especially he had two very similar jokes where it was using a cliche and then mm. subverting the expectation yeah, of it. Yeah, which but, you saw a mile off. But because mm. he's delivering it at half a mile an hour, yeah. it just yeah felt. Do so you long know to how many people come in here asking for a job? I yeah. once knew a boy that. Uh, uh, like, yeah. I mean, but how old is this dude by now? <laughs> yeah, right. But no, he's actually been in The Simpsons like five times now, playing various characters over the when years. They're just like, we need oh. a British person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's there and British. Yeah. All right, we're here. Ellen, do you have any other notes about this episode? It's a really. It's a silly joke, but I think they could have made more of a meal of it. It's just the fact that I wonder what it must be like to be a vet and have to like deal with these life and death situations and take it all very seriously, even though you've got silly pet names. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Snowflake is coming in for surgery at three. It doesn't look like he's going to make it. Like, 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 what was one of them? Chairman Meow? Yeah. Like, and you have to take that seriously because that's a living, breathing creature that someone's mm. bestowed with a fucking stupid name. Yes, we have Snigglewheels coming in later. It'll be a desperate <laughs> surgery for fight for life, the likes of which we've not seen here before. Better pray for Snigglewheels. <laughs> <laughs> and also the one line, and raccoons are just are such good providers. <laughs> Nelson getting jealous about Lisa kissing a raccoon because they're good providers. So it made me laugh. It does bring me to a small uh, Jordan's anal corner, uh, wherein Lisa is like, ah, oh, my first real kiss. No, it's not. Well, yeah. yeah. She said it in front of Nelson, mm -hmm. who was pining over her yep. and getting jealous. Like, um, uh. Can I, Ellen's anal corner? I think she oh. knew what she was doing. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think it was a burn. First this... real kiss. Exactly. Yeah, Nelson. Mm. <laughs> you know, if that had been the joke, I would have enjoyed it a hell of a lot more. He's like, I'm right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she seemed weirdly into it, though, the way she goes, and my first real kiss. And then later... Um, I'll take the animal's temperature. I know what it's involved and I'm willing to do it. Ooh. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, too willing is your suggestion? Yeah. Mm. This is some interesting territory that we've drifted into. We were brought here <laughs> by the currents of the episode. I want to get out. <laughs> yep. Well, did you have any other notes? Any other life rafts? Um, of course men would use paper towels on a fucking... A River of blood? Yeah, a river of blood, and they'll be like, no, let's just put some paper towels down. <laughs> well, New Handy Ultra has special absorbent rivulets to make every, uh, even those dirty spills easy to clean. Don't find it now in your supermarket. Yeah, that can't happen. Are you vying for a voiceover job there? <laughs> Available now. <laughs> oh, and I have a funny anecdote. Oh, yeah? So when Chief Wiggum goes, PD, police department, oh my gosh, <laughs> so... 
I was in a clowning show recently and all of the clowns have very silly names. There's one called Lizard, there's one called uh, Roger and Wah, called Wah because he only makes the noise Wah. Yeah. And so when we, uh, each of these clowns has been murdered and so we kind of explore that their was murders. A twist. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a true crime clown show. And so... <laughs> I <laughs> uh, shouldn't laugh. <laughs> but <Still>. we did. <laughs> I feel like we need to backtrack, but uh, we must push on with but, the uh, anecdote. Yeah, but, no, come no. on, no. as if you're not currently constructing the plot for true crime clowns <laughs> in your head right now. I know. I, am. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so we dive into Was backstory. So we open with Walter Allen Hardy. And one of my cast members was reading the script and she just goes, and this is like several weeks into rehearsal, by the way. <laughs> and she goes, Walter Allen Hardy? What? That's, wow. That stands for what? Oh, that's so clever. <laughs> and she turned to another cast member expecting them to be like, oh, yeah, that is really clever. But instead he just started, he started laughing and he gasped out, you dumb bitch. <laughs> wow. It was a great moment. Savage. <laughs> was he like the Hodor of your story or? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's very, a joke I get now. A gentle giant kind of what? Yeah. 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 How about you, BT? Do you have any other notes? Yeah, we vaguely glanced on it, but I really liked uh, Homer's itty bitty booze light. Yes. Just clips onto the edge of a glass so you can see what you're drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Quite like that. And a little bit of heart we didn't mention is uh, the very end when the vet's all like, Lisa, the heart is the seed of love. If you'd gone to vet school, you would have known that. (laughs) (laughs) Again, like Michael York can really deliver a powerful line that kind of sounds dumb at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, my last note is just how dumb the ceiling fan thing is because if the idea is they need money this was the worst way to do it because the problem is already fixed halfway through the episode and it just leads to homer doing a bunch of so relaxed with the ceiling fan but i have a problem but i'm so relaxed yes i mean i like ceiling fans but they're not that good (laughs) don't tell our ceiling fans that of course yeah they're our biggest fans Uh, (laughs) it's time for my final notes now it's time, and now it's time for his final notes. Elliot's <laughs> final notes. Sorry for the delay. I had to remember how that went. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's only been a week since we've podcasted. A lot has happened in this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we never normally talk about the couch gags. Mm. However, the couch was fucking the TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they were meant to be rolling frolically happy or something, but... Didn't ca- well, even if that was the case, it ends with the TV leaping for the couch, getting caught by its own cord and shattering its face on the ground, implying that it's dead. So what is this saying? That reaching for the things you love will kill you. <laughs> That's uh, a lesson to take from yeah, it. I guess. I mean, <laughs> true. <laughs> but it's just so... Oh, the whiplash on it as well, because mm. then it cuts straight into the episode without the... Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, just odd. Oh, and Bart's whole thing of getting people out of the water park... And this is when it's revealed that it's in the middle of winter for no mm. reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those fish that'll crawl up your wiener and yep, you got to go put your dingus in the snow. I don't know. It feels weird. You know, if you're going to go to a water park, it doesn't feel like a winter activity. No. No. Yeah, I have not. gone to one, though. Not a water park, but I did go to an outdoor heated pool in Russia. Mm. Oh, Yeah, wow. it's kind of like a artificial hot springs, I guess, because they keep the pool yeah. quite warm. And so you go outside in your... You have to, like, put all your clothes inside so that they don't get cold and wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just means that for the, like... 30 seconds that it takes for you to walk to the pool. You're just there in your bathers going, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, get in, get in. 
the coldest Omni run you can ever imagine. Oh, now available God, in Russia. Yep. There you go. <laughs> oh, Russia, you wacky place. <laughs> you wacky Russians. Yep. I like that Miss Hoover was going to do jello shots with her former students. <laughs> it happens at one point or another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I do like the sort of loose backstory they get with some of their like lower tier characters. Yeah. Miss Hoover especially, yeah, being a hardened alcoholic, I could imagine she'd like call up a few former students and be like, What's up? I just bump into them at the bars. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're getting loose and she's like, Yeah, what up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get yours, Miss Hoover. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Grandpa had a long rambling joke about Kramer versus Kramer, which I hated. Oh, yeah. Too long. Oh, Lisa had an awesome delivery of line to Bart, which was like, I've seen tabbies that were more ticks than cats, and (laughs) I know why the cage dog scoots, and I've had kennel cough, the cold kennel cough. Oh, God, that's hard to say. Cold kennel cough. Mm. Yeah, I thought she had that great line delivery that I'm not good at. Because I have <laughs> bad talk. Not a professional actor. <laughs> you talk bad. <laughs> and another thing I like, just to leave this episode off on a high note, I liked that Mr. Burns emotionally eats with a thimble of ice cream. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so relatable. It's nice to see him brought down a peg. Mm. No, absolutely. And yeah. <laughs> we do know he likes this iced cream. Mm. Mm. Wait, doesn't... History. He never got the hound back. Does that mean Santa's little helper has a new friend? No. Oh. No. No. <laughs> anyway, time to rank this thing. On the Simpsons Index, we rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. Maybe if the episode was just meh, you give it participant. But for the positive rankings, you got OK Bronze, Good Silver, Excellent Gold, but for the best, of the very best, the episodes that The Simpsons could not exist without, you give Cubic Zirconia. I'm going to go first, let me show you how it's done. I mean, through the chat, it actually might have brought me a bit up on the episode. Really? And I'm kind of tempted with bronze, but I'm going to stick with a participant because, yeah, it just it left me feeling flat. And besides a handful of jokes, the story just uh, it did not come together for me. How about you, Ellen? What are you ranking it? I'm probably going to go bronze just because yeah like some good ideas like i said it's a good first draft mm. you've got a little a few little gags you've got a kind of strong start for both marge and, and lisa but it's just like follow it through like yeah. take it seriously do something with it remember that you've got these two characters who are the a plot and the b plot so maybe make sure that they have a kind of satisfying ending mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's me. And BT, finish it off. I'm going to set at a participant. I'm glad someone went bronze because it's fair enough to say this has like a, a potential it doesn't ruin, but it also doesn't use everything, all its advantages that it could have had. It's just there's not too much there to grab onto. It's just ideas that didn't quite come together. And yeah, it should have been a first draft, a few more passes, but as it is, it's just incomplete. All right. Well, that'll average out into being a shiny participant. It'll be the first episode from season 27 to be called a shiny participant, but it'll also be joining another episode that Michael York was in, season 17, Homer's Paternity Coot, Mm -hmm. where Michael York is almost his father. Yes. All right, and now it's time for us to move on to our Teens Era episode where we're going to look at the time that Lisa evolved her religious beliefs. <laughs> when we review season 13's She of Little Faith, we'll be back. Woo! Can't wait. <laughs> you sounded like Fat Bender. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he just said woo! woo. <laughs> it was air escaping from his flaps. Yeah, my, my, my theatre partner, apparently I do a, a soft woo a lot, particularly woo. if I'm disappointed in something or if I'm like stressed 
and we're talking about something stressful that we need to do, I'll go like, "Woo!" And he hates it. He fucking hates it. Yeah. And I just can't stop at this point. Nor will I. Seems endearing, yeah. I don't know yeah. what the problem is. <laughs> Actually, we were playing a Power Rangers game for a, a Nintendo 64 podcast last week. And every time you successfully finished a level, you just got this like really Woo. flat, unenthusiastic, Yay! Yay. <laughs> Good shit. Oh gosh, voice acting wasn't what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and we are back, and we just watched our Teens Era episode. This was season thirteen, episode six, "She of Little Faith." First released in December of Ought One, it was directed by Stephen Dean Moore, written by one-time Simpsons writer Bill mm. Freiberger. Mmm, Freiberger. <laughs> in this episode, Lisa decides to become a Buddhist. What did we think? What's on the Freiburger? <laughs> Fries. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> You've never put chips in your burger? Oh. Of that I've done. I didn't know that was called a fry burger, but okay. Uh, yeah, it it'd now. be like the American name for like a chip butty or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, chip butty. Oh, mm. fuck. Um, oh, yeah, the episode's great as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost as good as a fry burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lo- lot of good feels from this one. This has been my favourite, uh, well, one episode that's certainly been a favourite of mine. Uh, mm. Maybe not the favourite, but I do love this episode. Yeah, well, we'll start with you. What stands out to you, for better or worse? And I can imagine you've got, like, a bit of personal history with this one as well, like... Yeah, I mean, I guess Lisa's, like, a good stand-in for most audience members. But, mm. yeah, like, I definitely remember being a kid and going through, like, a big crisis of faith and, like... If what we didn't like about the previous episode is, uh, you know, how insincere it can be about the characters in a turmoil, this one's great for it because we really do feel all of those mm. n- yucky feelings that Lisa gets from the sacrilegious treatment of the church and then this whole idea of like, well, what is important about church anyway? Can I find my own path? Yeah, and so I guess it's like the strength of really following Lisa's and, you know, the whole Simpson gang, like yeah. their stories and their characters are really kind of pushed to the limits in this episode and explored in a way of what would Marge do? What would Homer do? What would Bart do? And, you know, Richard Gere is fun <laughs> as well. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that, but it's a really silly but also not cameo. It's just yeah. like he's, he's just there. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of funny. It comes very close to being, uh, what are you doing here, Richard Gere? But yeah. I thought, yeah, all the jokes around him were pretty solid. And yeah, our one guest star for the episode. Yeah. It's also, I guess they even put in the, the line of like the most famous Buddhist. And so I guess the kind <laughs> of like lameness of like why mm. Richard Gere and what is he doing is kind of like solved by the writers being like, uh, uh, who's a famous Buddhist? Oh my God, yeah. fuck. I don't know. <laughs> I also think it works that he never leaves that temple. He's just (laughs) there. So she goes to him rather than, you know, him moving in with the Simpsons. And what wackiness will that be? He's always been there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he may have just always been at that temple. He just has permanent (laughs) residence in Springfield. No one ever thought to check the Buddhist temple. Exactly. The only other two Buddhists are Lenny and Carl. And they don't seem to get him. Who wears shorts? I wear shorts. Those guys are way off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed his line delivery in this episode as well. Like when Lisa tells her about his birthday and she goes, I'll send you an email birthday card. He just goes, sweet. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's really pleased about it. (laughs) Yeah. 
And how about you, BT? What stands out to you for better or worse? Uh, a couple of quick things we're going to point out. One is I always love a good neon sign montage with the yes. character walking in darkness and neon signs flying past. And Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. The Church of Latter-day Druids and just Amish in all lights. <laughs> yeah, the irony. The irony of yeah. Amish yeah. being spelt out in fluorescent lighting. Yeah. No, I always enjoy that gag. And I did quickly want to throw to you accidentally build us a Nibbles playlist. I didn't know this was going to happen. I was going to say, yeah. Is Nibbles in the last one as well? Sorry, in the, the last one. one. Is there in the one yeah. we're doing? Yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Oh, I don't remember. Dog. I don't think so. But yeah, that was <laughs> an amazing bit because, yeah, you pointed out when the rocket was starting up. Mm-hmm. Have you built a Nibbles playlist? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <gasps> That's right. He pilots the rocket. <laughs> yep. The and apparently build. survives. Yeah, and made his way back to the school. <laughs> and his and wife. Made... <laughs> and his wife, hopefully. Aww, that's and they're sweet. two kids. Well, the uh, <laughs> the wife is present when he dies, so uh, presumably, yeah. yes. Mm, wow. She's had a long life, that Mrs. Nibbles. <laughs> wow. I hope she rests easy in her retirement in the, let's assume, fifth grade classroom. Yeah. yeah. Shoebox. <laughs> Gosh, she's buried three of her children, her husband. Well, she digested three of her children. (laughs) Oh, dear. And what stands out to me, yeah, look, the whole church undergoing the CD makeover, and I just get so many vibes of Hillsong from this, and like... Oh, yeah. Because, like, we live in Castle Hill, like, we live in the suburb that Hillsong originated, so... Growing up, Hillsong was always just this little thing growing in the mm. corner, this little weird church that, that, yeah, has now exploded into this multinational corporation. God, it's so <laughs> For disgusting, our isn't it? Hillsong is one of those places that has a mega church. So. Oh, no. <laughs> international listeners will know Hillsong. Oh, well, yeah. fuck. Hillsong have a church in New York now. Yeah, didn't I feel like Justin Bieber did something for them or I don't they have like enough money to be able to get some of that firepower of like big stars doing shows for them. It's just mm. it's really fucked up. It's I guess it's like all the gross things that international people might be more aware with like uh, Scientology mm. of like the fact that it's this weird celebrity cult of like favors and like all this money going into it. And it's just really, really fucking disgusting. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a conspiracy theory at the moment going around that Scott Morrison, our prime minister, delayed the lockouts and shutdowns of big mass gatherings Son last week because there was a massive Hillsong conference like that oh. was like a 500,000 people attendance sort of thing as well. Probably, yeah. Mm. And it's... Yeah. But anyway, not to remind us of the current state of affairs. <laughs> yeah, let's focus on good things. <laughs> let's think more about hamsters in spacesuits. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly. Yeah. Looking at that yaw control. <laughs> yaw control is important. Yaw. <laughs> but no, what I really loved about this scene is like it's Lisa, yeah, having this crisis of faith but still believing in a god and like... Yeah, she just saw the current path isn't currently working for her and she sees through it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this is all such important Lisa character work in this episode for me. Mm. Yeah, and I do like that in an episode where Lisa rejects Christianity, not out of like science and atheism, but just out of the fact that it's not working for her. Yeah, uh, being, yeah. Nice. I like that as well because I think it's too easy to be. Mm. There's so many crisis of faith things I see in media and they're just all very cynical. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, you know, I'm not 
a big believer of religion anymore or, you know, any kind of faith. But that's not to say I just want to dick on people who do. Yeah. Mm. You know, we're all trying to search for that something, right? You know, it's like Nietzsche. It's like we must find meaning in this life because we killed off just being beholden to kind of religion and faith. And so it's just kind of like we're all looking for that extra something Mm. and whatever you get it out of, you know, that's your bag. And so I think it's much more realistic to have this kind of awareness of like, wait, what is this thing that I've been doing? And like, do I need to be doing it this way? Do I Mm. want to do it at all? And even if I do, like, is there a way to kind of make it more personable to me? And I think that's a really excellent arc for Lisa to kind of follow. You know, Mm. it it keeps the compassion in Lisa, which is something I, it makes me sad when people kind of like do away with that element of her and make her very kind of cynical and, you know, holier than thou, pardon the pun. And I think may as well skip ahead to the integrity question. Did this feel like a Simpsons? Like we get a little bit of flanderization in Flanders when... (laughs) He just freaks out and heads to the panic room over Lisa becoming My a Buddhist. My Satan sense is tingling. Yeah. <laughs> Ned is a fucked up version of Spider-Man then. Oh, well, God. Spider-Man has spider sense. So if Ned has <laughs> Satan sense, maybe the Treehouse of Horror is true and he is the devil. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe Ned was bitten by a radioactive Satan. <laughs> Oh, God. Just wait for season 33. That'll happen. Um, no. <laughs> Ned becomes Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, as far as character integrity, like, we had a lot of problems with the last episode, how they failed to join Lisa and Marge together. And mm. I thought this episode did a very good job of that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they're both trying to go about what they think is the same thing. But just Lisa is all about questioning tradition and mm. trying to find not necessarily enlightenment, but, you know, kind of going at it from a more intellectual side. You know, why am I doing this? How does it serve me? And vice versa. Whereas Marge Marge thinks that any kind of dissection of the norm is disrespectful mm. or, yeah. you know, is going to get you in trouble. Like her, um, <laughs> her apologizing to Mr. God <laughs> after Lisa questions, if there is a God, you know, why... It might be a woman. It might be a man. Like, who's to say what gender of this omnipotent being is? And and Marge completely loses her shit. And it's mm. kind of nice to see the the wacky reactions of the town because it is mm. really everyone against Lisa. Yeah. And it really kind of it is nice for Lisa to be kind of like the voice of reason against this town of absolute lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's someone who uh, likes questioning tradition versus someone who takes comfort in it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Marge is like, yeah, it's a system shock to her because mm. it's like, why wouldn't you like this tradition? It's always worked. Like, And I like that Yeah, in the story that Marge sort of reverts back to a bunch of cliches to try and rationalize it. Yeah. Is this about a boy? <laughs> like... Yes. But it's okay if it is. <laughs> but yeah, to uh, quickly throw to a quote from Game of Thrones where uh, Tyrion says, don't confuse what is with what should be. Yeah. Mm. So also you can listen to Thrones of Game, our other podcast, where we watch Game of Thrones backwards. <laughs> Diagonal, <laughs> pretty sneaky there. <laughs> <laughs> Lateral integration. Yeah. <laughs> Available now. <laughs> but yeah, and even like trying to use desserts and Christmas yeah. to tempt Lisa back. And I do love she bakes the cookies and then just immediately throws them in the bin. Yeah. Oh, God. Just going to say, there's actually a really subtle callback there to 
when another Christmas episode where, oh yeah, this is technically a Christmas episode, mm-hmm. another Christmas episode where Marge bakes Christmas trees for the girls and bloody spearheads for Bart. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see there's, yeah, yeah, half Christmas trees, half bloody spears. Like, that is such a thing of trying to maintain the status quo by these, like, placeholders or these yeah. things that we just assume are going to be, you know, Christmas cookies and gifts and blah, 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 blah. And it's like such a parent thing. It's really interesting to see because this isn't a fight, you know, this Mm. isn't. But in a way it is because Marge is losing control over Lisa because she's starting to question her own sense of spirituality and her own path through life. And that's scary, I guess, because Mm. if your child can do that, what does that mean for your connection to them? If you see religion as this kind of like placeholder in society this kind of community thing and it works so well in this kind of simpsons era of especially in america i mean we feel it a bit in australia but there is this kind of example of the god-fearing citizen like we are you know united in god and blah 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 even though what does that even mean to american societies it just means like oh i go to church on sunday and literally as marge says give lip service to the church yeah (laughs) so many western societies are just like so rooted in you know being kind of faith-based even though it's like this isn't a thing that you should instill in people from childhood it's something that you should let people discover on their own even like you know nobody can eat it at the table until we've all said grace it's just like Mm. you know you enforce these rules that then really are meaningless um and just a way to kind of get people who don't want to question into buying into it yeah and marge is someone who's like so deeply rooted in these yeah traditions and practices and stuff she just yeah, doesn't get it. And, like, when she interrupts Lisa's prayer, she's just like, why do you have to be so different? And, <laughs> yes. like, that line really stood out to me. Like, it's just Marge thinking Lisa's just trying to be different for different yeah. sake rather yeah. than, yeah. But, <laughs> and the other character moment, because we don't get much from the rest of the family in this episode, mm. but Homer being very strict on his traditions and beliefs oh, and practices. <laughs> That's such a good bait and switch that you think it's going to be him telling off Lisa and it's him telling Bart to butter his bacon and bacon up that sausage. (laughs) But my heart hurts. (laughs) It's not even like a witty retort. It's just him furrowing his brows at Bart. It's 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 a good example, I think, of, yeah, you'll do what I do and you'll believe what I believe. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, Father. Even if it does hurt your heart. Really, that joke Um, is one of the smartest things ever. Oh, it's so yeah because i guess it's a kind of antithesis of this episode of like i don't give a fuck you're gonna do this because it's what i do it's what i believe yeah yeah. (laughs) and let's not forget the other pure homer moment of what's he only singing um, floss it it good (laughs) when you eat meatloaf you must floss it it Uh, meatloaf was really good no you must floss it (laughs) no floss it yeah homer bathroom songs there's a fucking playlist i was gonna say like one of my favorite it's a surefire way to make me giggle is Mm. just characters who sing impromptu songs to themselves for no reason like (laughs) there's some great homer ones like you know singing mindy instead of mandy or shaving my shoulders getting it all shaved off I was just fucking thinking, great. like, Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother constantly does that, and I fucking love it so much. It's just, like, it's such a silly gag, but it's just, mm. like... It's always done with such glee. Is it? Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's always why it works. Being a lawyer had better be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, fantastic. Play count. Have you seen this episode before today, BT? Indeed, I have. A lot? I mean, you didn't ask that. Neither, you asked if I, I had. Did not. <laughs> you fool. Um, <laughs> an enlightenment's worth. Ah, How about you, Alan? I know I've seen it a lot of times before, but I don't know that I'd be able to put a number on it. Yeah. Like, this is one that I actually think I saw a surprising amount of times, like, given season 13 is, like, around the time where I started not watching them as much as a kid, especially the new episodes. But, yeah, yeah this one stands out. And I think, yeah, this is going to be a highlight of the season, honestly. But I'm getting too far ahead. We must go through the questionnaire first before we <laughs> rank it. So was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? Oh, oh, my. Fuck yeah. In like, heart. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many wacky... Okay, like the pursuit of Lisa's faith, that's all kind of like very close to the heart and whatever. Everyone around her, though, however, is fucking bonkers. Like, <laughs> like the fact that the Reverend couldn't even wait for their plan to go, f- like, to finish without him standing outside saying, lick it, lick it. <laughs> Like, it's just... Out of context, Lovejoy. Yeah, yeah, like, that's so, so stupid. Flanders taking his kids up to the little safe room they have. Mm -hmm. The whole commitment, like, kicking us off in the episode of Homer building this kind of rocket ship with Bart Mm -hmm. and being so committed that he enlists his group of nerds again Mm -hmm. into making a... Yeah, a tiny scale rocket that they then send a little hamster out into space. Like, that's fucking funny shit. It's so (laughs) stupid. And I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, it's interesting the amount of callbacks in this episode that totally work. Like, yeah, I loved the nerds' involvement and Mm -hmm. reappearance in this episode. And Well, how about Millhouse getting his eyebrows blown off and becomes Bart's mutton chops? (laughs) And also in the next scene... Millhouse still has eyebrows, so did he just slap them back on? I don't know. Yeah, because they peel off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they then fall off when the big rocket goes off. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking mm. of slapping them on, Homer's contacts? Oh, <laughs> yeah, very weird. I don't know about you guys, but I made a very visceral reaction where I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> like when, when they just shrink into his eyes and he just blinks over them. It's disgusting. Mm. <laughs> it's just such an odd, like, because it's not a joke there. It's just. I think it's like, imagine how big contacts would be in this world, I guess is the joke, but then contacts only go on the pupil, not the whole eye. <laughs> so. It's it's messed up. So, uh, yeah, neither of us, you're not a glasses wearer, Ellen? No, no. I have worn contacts quite a lot, though. Oh, really? Yeah, like when I do princess jobs, um, I usually try and match my eye colour to the character I'm playing. So interesting. Commitment. Yeah, and so you just kind of like, and even then, it always takes me a few goes. And it's so annoying because I always leave it to the last, like I always do the rest of the makeup first because that's a really long process. And also half the time I have to arrive at the venue with all my makeup and stuff done. Yeah. And also I don't want to be wearing the contacts for that long. And so it usually means I have to like, <laughs> like try and put them in a tiny little compact mirror, usually crying off one of my false eyelashes. <laughs> it's nuts. And you always like, uh, you blink it out and then you look at it and it's got like the glitter from your eyeshadow in there. And you're like, oh, fuck, oh, Jesus Christ. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Because... <laughs> 
yeah, I used to work as a clown and I know about going to and from gigs in full regalia, but oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did not have to deal with makeup on a level that you did. I just slapped, slopped it on, slopped on the white, slopped on the red. I'm good to go. Yeah, that was my favorite part of doing like this clowning show recently. I'm like, I was doing my lipstick and something and I think I like bumped myself and it just went skidoo off my face and I'm like, <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It's still I can fun. be as shit as I want it to be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Liberation through clowns. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. And I did want to get the other wacky bit I really loved, yeah. which is when the you know the typical hobo in the gutter sees the rocket yes. flying off. He's like, oh, I'm done with this, and throws it away. And his guy in a suit catches him. Like, hey, why? He gets in the gutter, starts drinking. <laughs> he has the glee of someone, an adult, hopping into a kiddie pool. Like, oh, no, it was really like a pig and shit, isn't it? It's just like, <laughs> well, just as like, soon as he slops back into the gutter. Yeah. And all it took was the memory that wine exists. Like, hey, wine. <laughs> Why haven't I been doing this all the time? <laughs> Love it. But how about the heart of this episode? Was this a particularly heartfelt one? More a spiritual one than a heart. Oh, Ooh. very good. Ooh. What an enlightened um, comment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It had the heart for me. You really feel the kind of pathos that Lisa's going through, especially like I don't know why, but my heartstrings just were really wrenched seeing the family downstairs in their whole Christmas regalia and, like, her walking down the steps. Like, Mm. it really just kind of highlighted how isolating questioning a Mm. kind of long-held tradition, familial tradition, can be. I don't know. And just that really kind of made me feel feel a bit, oh, oh, man, this really fucking sucks. Uh, Well, I think, I don't know if it was, like, clear that Marge was, like, her worrying about this. It just sort of seemed to come from more of a God-fearing place. But, yeah, that I guess you can say that was sort of playing in the character in the back of their mind. It's like, we're going to lose her from all these traditions. And she does say, at least one Simpson needs to go to heaven. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but, you know, we can't talk about Harden, especially at this moment of the episode, without talking about Clip Clop. (laughs) More sugar, please. (laughs) That was so good. And like just the playing at the end with Lisa, like still being a little bit of a um, consumerist, still having a little desires. Absolutely. Like that's the thing about working with kids as well. You have to kind of be wary of this. Of like, kids mm. remember that kind of shit. Mm. You know, you promise, like, shit. You need you promise shit. They want it. I like. I mean, even I can remember when I'm a kid. It's just like, hey, mom, can we go to the blah today? And she'll be like, oh, maybe. And in your head, you're like, that means we're gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like the whole day, that's all you're thinking about. Whereas to mm. your mum, it's just like, oh, I've got like five million other things I'm thinking about. Like, get yeah. off my case for a second. And then it's yeah. like, no, of course I didn't keep thinking about that because it doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, uh, you can't remember to put your socks in the hamper, but you can remember that <laughs> but you can, I promised yeah. you next month we'll go to the bar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Although I did want to call out another Jordan's Anal Corner Jordan's for this section. Uh, effectively because like the camera kind of follows Marge and Lisa as they're kind of walking you know, along the hallway and they go past the couch and they go past the kitchen and then they keep going mm. and the house just keeps going <laughs> and going. It's like, where are you now? It's a like, metaphor, BC. I'm just saying. It's are they walking in very careful circles? They didn't have the West Wing yet. Was that that show? Yeah. They didn't have the any proper... Aaron Sorkin talking and walking. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have him at the director's helm for this one. No. There's no. a guy who can direct a talking in a hallway. A walk scene. and a talk. Oh, right. 
He is the master. <laughs> or a talk yeah. and a walk. Why not? Yes or no? Would you watch this one again? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I would watch it again. If we're going to watch it again, we'd put it in a playlist. What playlist does this belong in? I mean, we already um, talked about Homer songs and nibbles. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like it works really well for what we're going to watch next, which is oh, like, yeah. yeah, a crisis or a kind of a change in belief playlist. Yeah, you can fit that with like when Maud dies and Ned's sort of questioning mm-hmm. faith and yeah. all that. Or with um, the latter day one of My Tide, My Tide, Why Have You Forsaken Me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mixed feelings about that episode still, but uh, it definitely fits. Or I'd even put like less faiths, but definitely a change. Oh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but the one where they go on vacation and Lisa becomes cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Summer you know of the one. Yeah. yeah, like because it's a similar thing for Lisa where she kind of goes like, wait a minute, I don't need to do this. Mm. Like in that episode, it's more her being like, I can shrug off my personality. Behind, yeah. yeah, exactly. I could stop doing this and kind of reinvent myself whenever I wanted to. And that's a really kind of cool thing to explore, especially for it reminds me these episodes really hit home for me when I was watching them because it was kind of like really interesting to see these kind of themes play out when you are younger and those things are occurring to you for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this theory has been floated on this podcast a bunch that Lisa is meant to be you. Like, yeah. She's the best, like, yeah, surrogate for the audience in that one. And yeah. Yeah. I have another playlist and it's very niche, but Kearney being an active participant in the community, like, (laughs) he's often in these scenes as, like, one of the members of the church board and at PTA meetings. I do like his line of, I'm a teenager and also the father of a teenager. A teenager. (laughs) That's really great. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's some really interesting infighting in the bullies of, like, yeah, <laughs> we're going by this because that's my mum's boyfriend now. It's like I thought Kearney was dating your mum. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, actually, that scene uh, reminds me. They seem to do this joke a lot. You know, talking about a guy with long hair. He was a carpenter. Had yeah. crazy ideas. <laughs> they did this in Homer the Heretic, yeah. where Homer's like, "Oh, Marge, you know that guy? He had the blue car." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I like just in that bit where they uh, start beating up Kearney. I love that Bart just shrugs and joins in. <laughs> yeah, yeah Bart well, even gets a lick in himself. I may as well wallop this guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're almost here. Ellen, what would you change about this episode? Oh, gosh, that's a really hard one because it is a favourite of mine and it does kind of clip along at a nice pace. Clip, clop um, along? <laughs> it kind of clip clops along at a nice pace. Well, if I was going to change anything, maybe a bit darker. Like like I said, you get a hint of that isolation that Lisa feels, but maybe like drive the point home a bit more. Like obviously, yes, she's having a crisis and so there's a lot of doubt, but I bet there's a lot of loneliness and anger and sadness too. And so I guess maybe to seem more like all is lost mm. before it's kind of solved again at the end would be my my one thing. Yeah, I dig yeah. on that. How about you, BT? Yeah. What would you change? Not terribly much. I think I'd make it a little bit more with a laugh-laugh. I like the story and everything. I just, you know, very few of my notes are jokes that I really loved, although there are a few. Well, we'll get to them <laughs> later. <laughs> I wonder if how this episode can function without the intro, because... Like I was saying before, yeah, the rest of the family aren't in at much, and then I thought, oh, yeah, wait, the whole intro sequence is basically not Lisa and Marge and all them. So yeah. I'm wondering, you know, how necessary it is because all it does is just destroys the church and 
there's just a number of ways you can do that that could still incorporate Lisa starting to question before the church gets the sleazy makeover. Well, I will yeah. say, then we wouldn't get to watch any of the planet from outer space, and that's a good movie. <laughs> oh, gosh. Larry the- can't breathe. Put on your goggles. <laughs> your goggles. <laughs> And then there's smoking as well. Yeah. Yeah, that is all, like, it's all fun stuff. I think you Mm. might be right there. And it's just like, I remember pausing a bit into the opening and then kind of looking and I'm like, oh, this has taken a surprisingly long time for us to get to the actual meat of this episode. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like when the meat is so tasty as well, I know you're a vegetarian, <laughs> Alan, but like, especially yeah, considering the next episode we got coming up. Like, yeah, 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 this episode has got lots of tasty bits in the back half that, yeah, I wonder if the theme would just to slightly carry through more solidly in the front end. Yeah, I wonder. But anyway, mm. um, we are here. Ellen, do you have any other notes? Oh, oh, actually, oh, shit. I have a, a fashion corner. Ellen's fashion, fashion corner. Fashion corner. Wink. Wink. Oh, that was nice. That was all in unison. <laughs> Cute. Uh, uh, nib- nibble- Nibble's wife. I was going to say Nibble. Nope. <laughs> Nibble's <laughs> wife is wearing a suit or a two-piece rather mm-hmm. reminiscent of a Jackie O. She's got the, like, the little pink Chanel kind of two-piece suit yep. with the little pink well, pillbox hat. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's interesting. Is that just synonymous with widow-to-be? <laughs> or- <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though Nibbles did survive, so... For 14 um, years, apparently. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Very long-lived hamster. Yeah. And also, I really like uh, Marge's coat. The, like, long mm. orange one with the, like, purple ruff. Yeah, it's the winter coat very... that pops up every now and then. Yeah, mm. it's nice. Like, I know it's one of her staples, but I'm just mm. like, oh, that's a really nice fucking colour scheme. Yeah, and it was nice to see the Simpsons wearing their tacky Christmas sweaters as well. <laughs> oh, yes, Christmas. Can't forget about the Christmas sweaters. No. They kind of get a pass from fashion because the, the job of them is... <laughs> but the job of them is to be so egregious and over yeah. the top that you're yeah. like, hey, it's the holidays. <laughs> it transcends fashion in that it it's does. also exempt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm all about ugly fashion as well. I think it's... Art is fashion and fashion is art and uh, the further you push into the ugly, the more kind of transcendental you're going to get with what you're you're looking at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of my post-apocalypse outfitting (laughs) has been loud shirts that I would never wear pre, you know, uh, in the before times. What were you saying? Dress for the apocalypse you want, not the apocalypse you have. That's the one. Exactly. I'm going to start dressing like Imperator Furiosa. Yes. Yes. Did you have any other notes? Oh, um, Lisa angrily comparing the desecration of the church to the whore of Babylon. Yeah. And the reverend saying, that's not a good comparison. And she goes, no, it's apt. <laughs> apt. Yep. It's a hard uh, word to scream, isn't it? Yeah. Apt. There's just not apt. enough word there to yell at. Yeah. She does it well, though. Yes, and the two last things. One, the angel that Homer puts on top of <laughs> Lisa's yep. Bodhi tree. I... Love, I love yeah. it so much. Or just that say, oh, I, at least it's tasteful. If it <laughs> exists, I want to buy it. An angel that 
vivisected at the waist, turns around and barks out Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, no, wait, what is it? Ruff, uh, ruff, jingle ruff, bells, I think. Ruff, yeah. ruff, jingle bells, yeah, jingle bells. I'm glad you brought it up because, yeah, skimming through my notes, I'm like, what was oh. Angel Bark? Oh, of course. It's, it's <laughs> so angel, funny. It's so funny. And my last thing is probably Mr. Burns and his smoke bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love any smoke bomb exit. I yeah. love a shit smoke bomb gag. They're always yeah. funny. Always. Or especially um, out of Archer Krieger's just yes. yelling, yelling smoke bomb and running away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All time smoke bomb gags. Mm-hmm. How about yeah. you, BT? Any other notes? Yep, I love uh, when Reverend. Uh, I love when Reverend. Fuck me. I love when <laughs> Rev, Reverend Reverend Lovejoy. God, why is that so hard to say? Uh, when he's standing outside, going, "Oh, it's going to cost a lot to fix this church, barring some kind of miracle." Okay, we'll help ourselves again. <laughs> I do like yeah the passive aggression. Yeah. Yep. And also Mr. Burns is, uh, oh, we highly value your input until you sign the deal. (laughs) Classic Burnsian stuff. Very good Burns in this episode. Oh, man, it's so good. He's just there for the money and then he's out of the story. Yeah. My last (laughs) note is at the Buddhist temple, they have a sign that's just like, meditation in progress. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Oh, again, great sign work in this Mm -hmm. episode. And yeah, my other note about Mr. Burns is, oh, evil that's just a skip rope rhyme <laughs> like <laughs> okay yeah that's how word of him travels through yeah. skip rope rhymes <laughs> um, i'd love to know I, I wonder if someone's made it mm. the skip rope rhyme i'd love to know what if there is one about mr burns circulating what rhymes with burns <laughs> um, learns turns, turns stupid <laughs> burns is evil yes he is he likes to eat soup made of kids that's I mean, not bad. It's the That's start, not bad. You know? We've got something to workshop now. Yeah. Cool. I can't edit a blank canvas, so thank you. It's hard without a jump rope, but, you know, yeah. I feel like I'm doing yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my final note is a bit of trivia about this episode. It was nominated for an enemy. Uh, an enemy? <laughs> in the, in the they nominated an enemy of this episode. Uh, I thought you said an enemy. An enemy. Uh, like, like the Ocean Oscars or something. <laughs> And winner again, Finding Nemo. <laughs> Nominees, <laughs> Finding Dory and Shark Tale. No, no, no. Uh, this episode was nominated for an Emmy, but lost to Roswell That Ends Well, a <gasps> Futurama episode. Oh, I'm so sorry. I should no, leave. No, don't be. Come on, Roswell That <laughs> Ends Well totally fucks. Oh. Just, it does. <laughs> it does totally fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, easy top 10 oh, yeah. Futurama episodes yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. So it gets funnier out. when you realise that for years they had the sign up in the writer's room, no time travel. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> their and, first foray into it is probably one of their best yeah. episodes. And, t- and then yeah. one day someone's just like, what if, yes, time travel. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. We have a little Planet Express ship at the beginning of that kind of mystery science Mm. movie the spaceship that they're flying in looks suspiciously like yes. planet oh. express oh i wonder I'm if saying. that dog was seymour <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's time to rank oh. this thing it was a male dog mm. <laughs> bt your turn to go first man i'm gonna sit on a silver with this one it's a really solid story and yeah it, i do like how it doesn't approach things of lisa being scientific it's more of her finding a spiritual journey and getting there on her own steam and merits and Marge's conflict with that is her foundation in these traditions and things like that we talked about does need a little maybe a little bit more of the laugh but I thoroughly enjoyed the ride so I'm gonna sit on a silver yeah I'm doing silver as well like I was almost at a gold but I think 
the lack of laugh is a very good point in this because there were a few jokes for me that just fell kind of flat, mm-hmm. but I really like the story. I like the way it comes together at the end. A uh, really solid time. Ellen, what do you reckon? I don't know if I can <laughs> justify my own decision here. Uh, I'm going to go platinum. Um, oh, you're doing the big cure. I am. Yeah. Middle fingers up, everyone. It's time. <laughs> because I just think... With the amount of nuance and care that they're taking with Lisa's story in this really does, like, deserve something, as well as I think it's a really important, like, uh, I wonder if I'm giving this it this rating mainly because I believe in the value of an episode of The Simpsons like this. I really Follow believe that, like, all kids who watch The Simpsons should watch this episode in terms of opening that door to kind of, you know, questioning themselves, questioning mm. tradition, questioning what brings them closer to some kind of sense of spirituality or sense of self. And I, I think it's a really brave endeavour and I think it pulls it off. So, and also to just holding respect to other people's opinions as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's not a cynical episode by any means. And I think it, it gives a lot of space and compassion while allowing the rest of the denizens of Springfield to be their wonderful, wacky selves. But at that same time, they're not that far removed. Like Marge's reactions, while they're ridiculous, are still so believable. And I think that's really powerful writing and really powerful exploration of the characters. That is funny as all hell as well, which is a little bonus. My only thing is like, yeah, it's a little, little bit intro heavy. When we could just like get straight into this this wonderful wonderful episode, but yeah, that's me. Solid point. You've talked me up. I'm going gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you, PT, sitting strong. Of course. He never goes. <laughs> Your back. opinion's always right. <laughs> no about right and wrong. These are just not correct. Is the point? <laughs> it's not quite the same. <laughs> All right. Well, this will be a gold by way of split decision. And this will be now our highest ranking season 13 episode. Wow. It would have been if I didn't flip anyway, but it is more so now that I have. Mm -hmm. And other golds by way of split decision are Bart versus Thanksgiving, which I was the sour silver on. Yeah, you're from the sour (laughs) push in these earlier ones. Yeah. Oh, like in Homer Goes to College, I was the sour one there. Indeed. Oh, were you? There's always got to be one. Homer goes to college. I've copped a lot of heat for going silver wow. on that one. Oh, really? Also, uh, who cares? Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck him. I'm right. <laughs> See, that's the attitude. <laughs> also, Bart's girlfriend starring... Meryl Streep. Uh, oh, Streep, gosh. am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's time we move on to the classic era where we're going to watch Lisa the Vegetarian. What episode could this be? The one with Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> you, if you keep saying it enough times, BT, it will happen. I don't know why he keeps throwing to me. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> And we are back. We just watched our classic, and oh my god, what a classic this was. This was Season 7, Episode 5, Lisa the Vegetarian. First released in October of 1995, it was directed by Mark Kirkland, written by David S. Cohen, a.k.a. David X. Cohen. But those are two different names. I'm confused. (laughs) What a pseudonym. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a pseudonym. 
Yeah. Ah. So this was when David X. Cohen was going by David S. Cohen until mm-hmm. Futurama happened and there were two David S. Cohens on the team. Right. <laughs> so he thought he'd go <laughs> X. <laughs> and apparently he gonna give it to you. Ah. I see. Well, <laughs> X is the only one who can give it to you. X marks the spot. <laughs> that he does. So, yeah, more loose Futurama themes in this podcast. But anyway, in this episode, this is where Lisa becomes a vegetarian. Come on, you know it, I know it. Let's get into it. What do we think? I mean, oh. speaking of episodes that fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to steal a term from our friends at um, Pods in the Key of Springfield, like and subscribe, this episode fucks. Oh, does it <laughs> This what? episode Totally fucks. Uh, suitable for vegetarians, may I, I, may I add? Blah, 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 blah. If I can speak, I can add it. <laughs> well, I mean, much like the last one, this episode would have a bit of personal attachment for you again. Yes, I am a vegetarian. Yeah, I like remember watching this episode and then kind of like flirting with the idea of vegetarianism because like it's such a weird concept that yet again like from our previous episode some of these things are like so ingrained in into you Mm. that you're like wait what meat is animal animals is meat (laughs) well homer illustrates it perfectly lisa this is lamb not a lamb (laughs) not a lamb (laughs) sure some magical animal (laughs) that makes bacon ham and pork chops (laughs) Apparently that was based on a rant that John Swartzwelder was having in the writer's room about how amazing pigs are. (laughs) And so, yeah, David threw it into the episode. Just yeah. But it's so interesting because we are desensitized to it in a certain Mm. way. Like, unless you... That's so normal, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, unless you have had to, like, wring a chicken's neck or anything like that, there's this this separation like most Western society is so distanced from life and death all of these natural kind of processes, we are afraid of them. We don't like to see it, you know, like Mm. even something like menstruation, it's like, Um, but it's like, the truth is we all breathe, we all shit, we all die. And like, those are things in other cultures that aren't so kind of death repressed have kind of like, it's obvious. And like, you only get to a certain kind of class and status, like without having to face these things, you know, if you were Mm. like, a peasant back in the day or even like I know my grandparents from Italy like you know they would wring a chicken's neck and they'd chop it off and they'd have to do all the plucking and like all of that kind of thing so it's kind of like it's not that they're desensitized but I do feel like other cultures like especially Italy like they know like the cow dies so that we eat the meat and like there is this kind of sense of uh, you know we know exactly and we picked it out and it's kind of like we've decided that whereas we're so like, do most kids know that animals are meat and vice versa? Like, I, I do think you get to a point where you're just like, huh, oh, yeah, I never thought about it like that. No, and, like, unless we were actually confronted with going to the killing floor, yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, even the most hardened adult would end up looking like poor little Timmy at the end of that film. Yes. Like, poor, just shivered, quivering. i got to say, that kid's an amazing actor to be yeah. able to push through after seeing confronted with so much death to keep delivering his lines. you got to be a pro to work with McClure. Yeah. He's a tough guy to work with. And yeah. also, it was completely unnecessary because they just show him walking in and out. They don't film inside the abattoir, so it's just yeah. Like, you've just traumatised this child for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't even any of the shots they were using. No. It's just a hard pan on the outside of the factory. It's amazing. (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. Uh, how about you, VT? What stands out to you from this episode? Man, hard to pick one. Uh, I'm going to talk about, though, I think, because we're seeing in the first episode how whenever we have like this kind of fuck you intro, this one not so much, but um, they go to a place and it's kind of just riffing on that place for a little bit. Whereas in the first one, I felt like the water park had no real riffs on it. It was just like, oh, here's a water slide for fat people. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this has like everything. It's got, you know, Marge trying to hype it up. Being, oh, it'll be fun for the whole family. And, oh, you know, yeah. And then they get there's like fun for ages one to seven and a half, just <laughs> cutting off Lisa. <laughs> or, you know, the wolf trying to blow down the little pig's house and Bart's like, oh, it blows, all right? It blows high. It's like, that's it, honey. Get in the spirit that <laughs> get in the spirit thing. and even just the the one of the animatronics whose voice box is broken it's just yeah. rah, 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 rah. <laughs> uh, it's again so reflective of I'm sure we've been to those places as kids where things didn't quite work right or Bart getting on that ride that he's like thinks he's putting one over them by getting underneath the uh, height limit but oh gosh then just smacks his head into the tunnel and drives it into the woodcutter's crotch oh. God. And I yeah. love the second of the kids reacting there when they're like, yay, yay. the has got its head chopped off. Yeah. But who could forget the best part of all when they first start looking at the lambs and like, oh, oh, oh. out of the way, you. <laughs> so many memes come from this episode as well. Holy crap. I know. Like, while I do love this episode, like, love, love, love it, it's also mm-hmm. been hurled in my fa- like. Ironically, a lot of meat eaters use this episode really? to ruthlessly roast vegetarians. Uh, roast. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I remember literally when I was like telling my family that I was going vegetarian or at least trying vegetarian, mm. um, so many people would just go back at me. You don't make friends with salad. You don't make friends with salad. You don't make friends with salad. It's so easy to get caught up in that rhythm, though. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Didn't mean to pick sides, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'll cap that opinion off with the last little bit, which was uh, I really love when the big bad wolf does try to blow over the little pig's house and it tilts slightly and everyone's like, oh, except for Maggie, who's like... Yeah, yeah <laughs> Maggie really enjoyed it. <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what stands out to me, I, I think it's interesting with this episode where, you know, before we looked at Marge and Lisa's relationship during yeah, Lisa changing as a character mm. and this one being about Lisa and Homer. Mm. And it's almost like this situation brought out a lot of underlying tension because yeah. they were pretty ready to snap at each other. Oh, gosh. Yeah, like, they really go into the facial animation of, like, it's not just we see a character snap at another one. We get to see them react and be hurt by that. Yeah. Like, Homer's reaction when Lisa comes back is furious, but, like, her little scrunched-up face as well, like, you can tell that neither of them are backing down. Mm. When she calls... Homer, what is that? Prehistoric, Prehistoric carnivore. carnivore. Oh. He, and you, Marge and Homer, both of them just like, oh, wow. Yeah, you literally see Homer go like into shock, but then also like he's a little afraid or like very much hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this is really intense. And it's really interesting to see Homer and Lisa together as well to see like their dynamic. Because it is always like, I think it's really fun because Homer is like, very clearly like the wackiest of the family and Lisa mm. is always firmly the straight man. Well, it's such an interesting situation for them as well where Homer's blissfully unaware of the wrong he's doing by yeah, hosting the barbecue and being responsible for all those animals slaughtered and Lisa, yeah, in feeling like she's just in taking vengeance for them, yeah, ends up doing something objectively wrong as well and that, yeah, she yeah. tries to hold her ground 
and that she's justified. It's a really interesting angle for this story to take. Mm. Mm, it's really great that they play with the kind of emotional stakes more than anything. Like, yeah. and we are able to see from Lisa's perspective, it's like the whole world is rubbing, <laughs> rubbing yeah. me in her face. Yeah, and it's interesting to deal with a character who does a wrong thing, Hmm. no matter how sympathetic they are, like really own up to it. And I'm like, that's fucking powerful because like Hmm. so many shows will just kind of like take the easy way out where there is a right and there is a wrong. But it's like, it's nice to see characters that we know and love fuck up. Yeah, and I do like the balance this episode has where it's got, you know, at the end she says, I still hold strong my beliefs, but I can't defend what I did. And even other little things like you've got, you know, Billy going into the slaughterhouse and coming out just (laughs) pale as a sheet and shivering. But then you've also got Apu's switching out the hot dogs and goes, oh, it tastes just the same. It has thrice the fat. (laughs) Thrice the fat. That really made me laugh. Mm. Oh, because I mean, now we kind of... And also, this is 1995. Mm. Like, how much did mainstream people know about vegetarianism? You know, like, we're a bit more comfortable with it now. Like, a vegetarian depends where you're going, but most places, you're not going to suffer too much. I mean, even, like, vegan, things get a bit harder and whatever. But, like, in the 90s, like, you don't have those kind of, like, fake meat replacements. You Mm. don't have people kind of catering to vegetarians. Like, it is a lot harder. Yeah, well, I feel like back then, like, vegetarian would have been the punchline that vegan often is now. Yeah, and, absolutely. Like, this episode manages to, yeah, straddle that line, I think, of using tacky jokes against vegetarians, but it's always about the characters delivering them and, yeah, the shitty nature of doing that sort of humour to a, 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 a person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how far is this episode from Homer's phobia at the end of which they're all like, Oh, Bart might be gay and Lisa's a vegetarian. It's like, oh, Homer, you, you and Marge aren't cousins, are you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the kids are so screwed up. One of them doesn't eat meat. Yeah. <laughs> Most products that don't have a certain thing and it's just been subbed out will usually have more of something else. So it's like, mm. yeah, it is more likely that they, it has three times the fat if it's mm-hmm. going to like taste the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all that, like, the low-fat option actually has more sugar and that sort of shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, it makes me laugh when people are like, mmm, I got this gluten-free dessert because I'm being healthy. It's like, bitch, that's got so much more fat in it as a result. (laughs) People don't eat gluten-free because it's fun. They eat it so they don't shit themselves. Yeah, exactly. Play um, count. Have you watched this episode before today? Oh my, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, a hundred times, yes. And even if I haven't watched it so much, this is such a quotable episode. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I've recreated oh. this episode just by living. You can recreate this episode just from memes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Every moment of this is a memeable moment. And yeah. I forgot to say when we were talking about the film before, yeah, Troy McClure's in this episode. Another stellar performance by Phil Hartman. Absolutely. Pull one out. Pull one glass of maple syrup out. <laughs> <laughs> you dunking your socks into that maple syrup, homeboy? <laughs> Marge, please don't bite. I just want to drink a glass of maple syrup like I do every morning. Oh, the, I'm not talking to you cliche. <laughs> uh, that, that, that whole oh. rebounding gets it all wrong. At least I tell Marge to get off my case. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Or the um, the extra B is for B Y O B B. What's that extra? B? It's a typo. <laughs> um, so much. So quotable. But yeah, because of that, like.
like sometimes you can forget the smaller jokes like yeah when Troy McClure was starting the video hi I'm taking a walk through cattle country he's just walking on, <laughs> walking top, of on top of them and you can hear some of them go like, yeah like they're no, not really happy like, about that I really like his line of uh, just ask this scientician uh, he'll tell you the <laughs> yeah <laughs> And that is, like, such a sneaky thing that, like, current affairs reports will do. We spoke to this person and show a footage of them. He tells us that... And oh, it's like, yeah. No, that's footage. still the voiceover. What's he actually saying? Yeah, it's such good propaganda. Like, they yeah. really get it where it's just like... And you see the kids parroting back things from the video of just like, yeah, yeah that is how it works. Like... Apparently, my crazy friend here has never heard of the food chain. <laughs> yes, my I'm crazy going to friend. University. Uh, 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 James or Ralph. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> when I grow up, I'm going to Bovine University. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but come on, guys. We all know that animation doesn't have messages in them or morals. It's just it's hilarious just funny stuff. People getting hurt and stuff. And stuff like that. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I think, yeah, we've been naturally segueing into the wackiness of this episode. And yeah, just again. Again, to cap off the um, film, apparently you've never heard of the food chain. Everything coming to a person. Yeah. And my other favourite moment, all the animals eating each yeah. other. Especially oh, the gosh. Oh, the gorilla, gorilla and the shark. <laughs> oh. Eagle just picking up a lamb. Yeah. I mean, hey, they do get pretty big. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what bird I was reading about, but it had like a, oh, fuck, I think two metre wing radius. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Albatross. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe those um, weird cranes, like mm. the ones that people think are the Mothman. You know the ones. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's the Mothman. Believe the conspiracies. <laughs> oh, you on your Mothman thing again. <laughs> the Simpsons Index, brought to you by the Mothman. <laughs> Believe. Or a woman. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> she didn't mean that, Mr. Mothman. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it's pretty fucking wacky. <laughs> Do we have any other wacky moments? Man, it's not like impossible wacky. It's just so many incidental little wackies. Like, this is Mother Goose. The following car has been broken into. Yeah, yeah. and then the next shot is uh, the Simpsons arriving home with their back window smashed out. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Homer trying to get the goat to eat a can. <laughs> He's a grown adult. <laughs> eat it. Eat it. He's a grown adult. Um, I love all of Homer's go to your rooms. Where at least like, I'm going to my room. And that's it. Go to your room. And later on, she walks out, slams it all. That's it. Go to your room. room. I mean, how can we talk about wackiness without talking about the pig de resistance? (laughs) It's just a little dirty. It's still good. It's still good. It's just a little slimy. It's still good. It's still good. It's still good. It's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's just a little airborne. It's gone. I know. (laughs) But to follow up the million dollars gag, I'll give a million dollars to that orphanage when pigs fly. I love how they're just, yeah, not totally baffled into why that happened and the timing of it all. It's like, shall we be going through this? No. no. <laughs> yeah, they really uh, did just accept it as a sign. It reminded me a lot of, uh, and I know if you guys have watched Fleabag. No, I haven't. Oh, but there's a very sexy priest in season two. There's a combination and... of words you don't hear often. Yeah. <laughs> and Fleabag is talking to him about God. I think she says something like, that she doesn't believe in God and like a painting falls down in the church and he just goes, oh, I love it when he does that. <laughs> <laughs> like just point blank accepting it as a sign from God. <laughs> Sorry, I found the whackness I wanted to talk about. Um, I really like when Homer's praising Marge's lamb. Chomsky goes, well, thank you, Homie. You might say the extra ingredient is salt. Salt. 
<laughs> and also Simpsons broke my brain for any time I add salt to anything. And I'm like, secret ingredient is salt. And also the diagram of hot dogs, which is pigeon, raccoon, and shoe all just getting combined together. <laughs> I mean, a shoe would technically have animal products in it anyway, right? Also With some true. glue. And technically a hot dog would have shoe products in it anyway. So. <laughs> you know, hot dogs get a bad rap in this episode. Yeah, they really <laughs> do. But then also a good rap because everyone's mm. so enamored with them. Yeah, one of our previous entries to the sandwich index <laughs> was just a hot dog with peanut butter. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. I tried it. It's and? not bad. It's just very dry. Hey, I mean, it is in a way... A poor man's peanut satay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what I was like. It's like, it's got a cheap satay appeal about it. Yeah. Mm. Fascinating. <laughs> so, look, there is so much more wackiness to go over with this one, There's not so to mention much. the fucking thousands of Flanderers that mm-hmm. exist. Oh, um, yeah. And why? Okay, so it just looks like all Flanders and all Mauds, but Maud is married into the family. And also, there must be some female Flanders out there. So is it just that Flanders have a type that is to look like their relatives? Or do all male Flanders just have a type that is, I want to marry someone who looks like this woman? I mean, it could be like genetic coding because there was examples of, you know, twins who were separated by birth. And when they caught up with the two of them and had them reintroduced to each other, they had both had the similar looking same named first wife and had a similar looking same named second wife. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know where that's from. It's one of those things I've heard and can't trace. Yeah, I think it's always just like sometimes it happens and sometimes you don't because sometimes Mm. you see people like, oh, wow, you really have a type or like, oh, you know, like you kind of have like dated your dad or mom or whatever (laughs) but then sometimes it's just like so polar opposite that you're like rules don't matter i don't fucking know whatever (laughs) (laughs) pretty much like this doesn't make sense to me but you seem happy yeah yeah (laughs) all 1000 flanders all extremely happy or except the one who was just charmed well yeah Yeah. clearly some of it is learned behavior because uh, sir lord thistleweight flanders (laughs) does not have the diddlyitis (laughs) it reminds me of that guy who was trying to pass for a cowboy in one of the treehouse of horror goes sure i'm a cowboy a yippy whippy (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so much more wackiness to go over but how about the heart of this episode did y'all feel the babumps? Uh, of course we did. Especially right at the end with, you know, yeah. Pooh singing, you know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts <laughs> Club Band. I'm amazed. <laughs> I mean, if you were, like, that song alone is very beautiful. But yeah, this episode is really, really good for getting down to the heart. Like, it just, mm-hmm. it is high stakes stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Homer and Lisa are fighting big time about this. And, like, Lisa's so conflicted that she's like, almost willing to go back on her beliefs and eat meat again just to kind of assuage everyone. Like, that's big. Those are big character moments. Well, especially because, like, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be on a social level because, like, I see it with my brother who's also vegetarian and, like, going out to dinner, there's just, like, little things, like, where my dad will, like, investigate the menu for him first to see if there's any vegetarians options. And he's like, oh, you got this here, this here. And it's like... It can go both ways where there's mm. a lot of teasing, but then there's a lot of like overcompensating. Do you yeah. get that yeah. a bit, Ellen? Or Yeah, no, totally. Like, um, okay, so my family's Italian, so that means they absolutely do not get it. And even yeah. though I've been vegetarian for like maybe four or five years at this point, mm. like my nonno was still trying like he's figured out now that I can eat eggplant and mm-hmm. thus 
He's always buying eggplant for me. <laughs> Anytime I go over, well, he's always good. got spare eggplant because, <laughs> like, he can't quite figure out what is vegetarian, but he knows <laughs> eggplant definitely is. And so it's very, it's very sweet. But, like, I know before he's made me chicken. Just have to, like, go, no, that's meat. And he's like, what? Even chicken? And it's like, what do you mean, <laughs> even chicken? <laughs> Yeah, and, and when I went to Italy to visit family, that was a big fucking nightmare because Ooh, Italy yeah. does not have a big vegetarian <laughs> culture, as mm. you can probably guess. I mean, my relatives even took great pains to point out to me, they were like, oh, that was a vegan restaurant. It closed down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, the one vegan restaurant in town that closed down because no one went there. Um, so it's just like a bit tricky because even though most people eat vegetarian meals, like it's it's very rare that you would mm. eat meat for every single course of the day. Yeah. yeah. But yet when someone goes, oh, you're vegetarian, it's like their mind just kind of like blips out and they go, uh, um, oh, can I make you quiche? No, ah, oh, that has bacon in it. And you're like, you're just like, you could not just put the bacon not put in it. it. And they're like, no, 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 that, can, that can't be right. <laughs> Don't follow the recipe, the sacred rituals passed down from yeah. Chef Boyardee. Yeah. yeah. And so, and like, it, it was pretty instrumental in me learning how to kind of cook for myself because it was a bit like, it could be a bit isolating, like sitting down mm. to different meals or like, I remember I had like a dinner party and I made everything vegetarian and my mum's like, oh, you're not going to make everything vegetarian, right? What about the meat eaters? And I'm like, fuck the meat eaters. <laughs> yeah. this, is my, this is my party, damn it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but you do sometimes get those little, that friction between mm. not just kind of conforming. And then sometimes you feel bad about it as well. Like, yeah, you, you don't want to like put people out by being like, oh, sorry, I'm vegetarian. And like, you feel like an asshole and like... Yeah, yeah, it's it can be tricky. Well, no, that's what I thought this episode did really well is mm. sort of ex- demonstrating a few sort of social situations that um, you'd run into, especially because David Merkin, the season five and six showrunner who was on The Simpsons stuff, recently went vegetarian. And so they were sort of drawing from his experience a yeah, lot right. in yeah. writing this episode as well. Yeah, mm. it really and- shows. Oh, yeah, this has such a personal touch to it as well. And Hmm. I think, yeah, all that bubbling tension with Lisa then just exploding at Homer, like, you can really feel all those, every little jab that Mm. she received in the episode leading up to that moment. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, well, they show most of them. (laughs) They show that little flashback of, you know, some of the things we've seen throughout the episode, like Ken and Homer wrestling over the chop, and some of the things we didn't (laughs) see, like Kent Brockman just hoeing into a turkey leg (laughs) (laughs) mid-broadcast. Um, but like, yeah, sometimes it can like veer the other way as well. Cause like we'll have family barbecues and my, you know, mom or my aunt will just be like so oversensitive where they're like, oh my God, have you got enough to eat or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. we've made like all of these roasted veg. We've got like three salads plus like some extra thing that's just for me. And they'll just still be like, oh, oh God, <laughs> but where are you getting your protein? If I hear that again, I'm going to fucking, yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, these are all, yeah, things that my brother have said as well, like, um, and because, like, we've had that as well, where we've had, like, family barbecues, and then, like, Mm -hmm. everyone will over-cater to him and then explain to him, like, he's, you know, (laughs) uh, hard of learning, just, and we've got this salad for you, and we've also done the the potatoes without bacon, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then you also get, you know, sometimes you get caught out. Like I felt for Lisa in the cafeteria because sometimes there are instances where it's like 
even at my job, like usually I pack breakfast. But if I forget, my only options in the store are like one single vegetarian like spinach and ricotta roll. (laughs) Or sometimes we get sandwiches in and when we do, there is one type of vego thing that we stock, which is uh, egg, egg and lettuce. Again, we're back to egg salad sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if they don't have any of that, I'm fucked. And so, like, her getting just the bun from the cafeteria, I'm like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> it's rich in bunly goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two independent thought alarms in one day. Oh, my God. Remove all yeah. the colored chalk from the classrooms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I have to say, Lisa is not selling the gazpacho. (laughs) Like, there are good vegetarian options out there. And gazpacho is delightful. But she, by just saying it's tomato soup served at a chilled temperature, sounds Uh, disgusting. It's much more of like a salsa. Come on, Lisa. And then just the extra insult of, like, the next shot being Santa's little helper drinking out of it. Yeah. It's good to see that the dog isn't picky. <laughs> no. Mm. You you snuck in a gazpacho reference uh, in Dave Plus One, our web series, didn't you? Oh, I did? I yeah. mean, it sounds like something I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> remember, Elle walks away and Zach steals her gazpacho oh, and yeah. then <laughs> spits it out all over his beard while holding on to Dave for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> it's because gazpacho is a funny word. <laughs> it is a funny word. <laughs> Dave Plus One, now available on YouTube. But... <laughs> Did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Were the characters behaving like themselves? You know it did. Yes. Everyone was their delightful, silly selves, Mm -hmm. but also like, yeah, it's nice to see the characters come up against each other with some real friction. Like, you know, that is not just going to be solved right away. Yeah, and I found a very satisfying way out, much like the last episode, where, you know, Lisa talks to Apu and mentions that she eats cheese and Apu is horrified. He's like, oh, you must think I'm a monster. Yes, I do think that. Yeah. <laughs> but then he goes on to be like, I've learned to influence people without badgering them and just live and let live. It's like, it's like Paul's song, live and let live. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's live and let die. <laughs> Whatever, it had a good rhythm. <laughs> yeah, it's a very much like whatever um, approach. But, I mean, it doesn't feel cynical. Like, Mm. I'm about to shit on South Park again. But I feel like (laughs) most South Park episodes are like, whatever, you're both dumb. Mm. And this doesn't feel like that. It's a, no, sometimes you just have to do you, you know, and it comes at it through the emotional way, which I feel like, yet again, to dig on South Park, it's a much more intellectual way, which is like, (laughs) intellect does not solve everything. Mm. People are people. People are people and they're always going to have feelings and feelings aren't logical because that's because they're feelings. Yeah, it's just like the thing of someone explaining to you like, oh, you're just upset because blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, I know I'm upset. Knowing I'm upset does not make me less upset. Yeah, no one goes, of course, that's the root of it all. I'm fine now. (laughs) Aha. (laughs) Therapy over. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. But no, you're right. It's like way more optimistically centrist than South Park's, yeah, like you said, often cynically centrist. Mm. Yeah. And and in the way that you can still evolve the characters and make them still feel like the characters. And to the point, I think it actually surprises some people to know that Lisa, yeah, didn't become a vegetarian until the seventh year of the show. Mm. Yeah. Like, we just, it's something that we associate so deeply with her. And, like, same with her being a Buddhist to me. Like, Mm. it felt like it happened much earlier in her development. But, yeah. Yeah. So, it felt like a Simpsons. We know it did. But would you watch it again? 
Yes. <laughs> nice harmonies. And yeah. I'd watch it again. And if I want to watch it again, I think about what playlist this goes in. And just an update. No, this does not go into the Nibbles playlist. Yeah. yeah true. <laughs> Aww, Sometimes we two out of three. But um, references to the Beatles. So put this yes. in with um, Barbershop Quartet where we have George Harrison. Oh, the yeah. And Ringo Starr. Yeah, where she paints Ringo. So, yeah, of course, I forgot. Guest stars of the episode, Paul and Linda McCartney. This was the last living Beatle to appear on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, what do we think of their performance? I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. silly. It's just silly. Um, I enjoyed it because it was just like it wasn't a big song and dance of them. Yeah, um, in fact, they did a big th- misdirect on it as well. Like, would you like yeah. to hear a song? Sure, and then I- take it, Apu. Yeah. yeah. And just their gleeful, like, they're so happy, like, and joining in with Apu's song. It's just mm. <laughs> Hanging out in Apu's garden in the shade. Yeah, and similar to Richard Gere, it's because Lisa ended up going to them rather than, well, Lisa, yeah. why don't I go talk to your father and solve all your problems? It's just Absolutely. Like, like they're just being them. Yeah. It's just like you've stumbled upon them in their natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about coloured contacts before as well. Yeah, these, like, I think this is the only time where Simpsons have done, like, alternate pupil mm. colours for a yeah, character. Yeah, it looks weirdly strange. It looks strange, I'll say it. Mm. <laughs> and the other fun fact I have about this episode and also joining the last episode, get mm. on with it, Elliot. So Paul agreed to do this appearance if Lisa's vegetarianism could be maintained throughout the rest of the show. And unfortunately, the Simpsons broke their promise in season 24 when Lisa got into eating insects. Oh. Mm. I mean, that. In the show's defense, that episode's not very good. No. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I feel like maybe that would be a step towards environmentalism. Maybe. They play it up for those sort of things, but. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I also feel like there are plenty of vegetarians that have swatted flies or mosquitoes or something, either out of reflex or just pure, you know. But she's also a Buddhist. Well, you know, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Which. Which was Richard Gere's stipulation for being in the episode if he could include a free Tibet Mm -hmm. um, shout out. Shout out for free Tibet. Oh my God. Shout it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If Lisa's. Buddhism could be maintained through the rest of the show, mm-hmm. and they got sort of the tenets of Buddhism right. Okay. Those are very cool things to, like, put mm. in your celebrity request. Like, they literally changed the Simpsons canon, yeah. which is very powerful in pop culture to, like, know that you did that. Yeah, uh, and totally not in a way that felt like egregious catering to a guest star either. These are just – these are welcome changes. No, I think it's mainly because – maybe the last two guest stars that we've had have had like a sense of humour about playing Mm. themselves. It's all very like subdued. They're not trying to be super funny. You know, they've got a kind of wink, wink, nudge, Mm. nudge approach to them being on the show. Like the whole like very shoehorned, you know, my wife even has a range of vegetarian products. (laughs) I'm sure he doesn't want to have to talk about we weren't satisfied with the other products on the market. (laughs) But I think... Also, it works so well to its benefit in the sense that had Lisa reverted back to eating meat, it would have felt so hollow. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, it would have been like, oh, I see. Now I was being a grade A moron. No, so much better that she doesn't. No, yeah, definitely. totally. But yeah, just lastly on Paul Linda McCartney, and I love that Paul, again, could have a wink and a nod and a joke at himself with, if you play Maybe I'm Amazed Backwards, you get a recipe for a ripping lentil soup. <laughs> and because they play Maybe I'm Amazed over yeah. it, they got... 
Paul McCartney to record a ripping <laughs> recipe for lentil soup, and they put it on backwards over that. I could hear the like, yeah, the weird backwards yeah, speaking, but I was just like, I wonder what what that recipe is. They actually included the actual record on one of the bonus features of the season seven DVD. And so, yeah, you listen to it forwards and Paul McCartney gives you a ripping recipe for lentil soup. And at the end he goes, by the way, I'm actually alive. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Very good. Um, Any other playlists? Oh, I forgot about this. Um, How about drive-in theatre marquees? Because there's (laughs) a double feature, I spit on your grave and I thumb through your magazines. That was hilarious. I was so focused on I Spit on Your Grave, mainly because mm. it's like, you know, a horror icon. Yep. Yeah. I was like, Where, where's the fucking joke here? And then I read <laughs> Thumb Through Your Magazine. <laughs> I also just like that, you know, Apu has this uh, calm, tranquil garden that also maybe sometimes he steals movies. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why not? It's a good balance, yeah. Make it work for you. <laughs> oh, definitely. Another playlist that I wanted to put this in was just fucking classic Ralph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sleep. That's where I'm a Viking. <laughs> Put yes! your head down. Yeah. I can't believe I used to go out with you. Oh, the burn, Ralph. Wow. Also, he thinks they went out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a bit more James L. Ralph. Miss Hoover, the worm went in my mouth and then I ate it. Can I have a new one? <laughs> oh, and tying both these episodes together as well. Homer's breakfast habits. Yeah, he wants oh, to God. Dunk butter his, up his bacon and dunk oh. sausage in maple syrup. Oh no, enjoy no. a glass of maple no, syrup. No, yeah, he just wants a glass of maple syrup. There's actually an episode that I hated where Homer's doing like a wine testing, but it's for maple syrup, and <laughs> like. You know, swishing it around in his mouth, but it's so sappy and thick that it takes ages. Yeah, I remember that being a good bit that just goes for too long. Yeah. All right, we're near the end. Ellen, what would you like to change about this episode? Oh, I don't know that I would. Um... (laughs) Way to steal my answer. (laughs) Yes, sorry. I just just can't think of... All I can think of is just, like, extra good things that I like. Um... No, I just love this episode. I don't think I would change anything. Well, that's my thoughts on that. How about you, Betty? <laughs> Man, it's very simple. You don't win friends with salad seven minutes straight. <laughs> How dare you, BG? <laughs> it's that simple. Just the rest of the episode, you don't win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. To be fair. Just slowly progressing. So Marge joins and they keep going and like the... the Cat and the dog join, and then Mo, and then Barney, and just keep going. Mr. All Burns of Springfield is there. circling yeah. around Come Lisa line for days. No, don't change the anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Someone needs to make like a snake-like game that it's the conga line. If you don't make friends with Sally, you just pick up more and more people as you go. <laughs> oh, but they still do it in like Nokia level graphics, so it's blip 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 blip. All right, we're here. Ellen, do you have any more notes? Oh, yes. Why does it talk like a lamb? <laughs> Lisa, Lisa uh, imagining the voice of the earthworm mm-hmm. that she's about to dissect. <laughs> I love um, it as well, like this reoccurring bit of her fantasy and like illustrating her internal conflict. I think it's very well done. I will say oh, though, when yeah. the, the lamb and her imagination looks face on, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's really simple as well. Like, you know, like chicken breast, You're like the cutting the meat out of the animal mm. and kind of going, where would that actually come from? It's a really great diagram of that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but no. Oh, sorry. Force of Force habit. Of Lisa, no. 
Oh, it's so good. Like, especially like with all the drama of those moments, all those little jokes that they keep. It, oh, it's so good. It's such a good episode. Yeah. Goddamn. I mean, even the itchy and scratchy misdirect of, oh man, I always forget which one's which. Which one's the cat? Scratchy's the catchy. Scratchy. Okay. Oh, nice. Thank you. Um, so you have Scratchy eating his own stomach. Yeah. But the thing that kills him is the bill. Yeah. <laughs> the bill for the meal is a hundred. Isn't it a hundred dollars? Which is yeah. not that much. Um, oh, back in ninety-five, money. Ooh, yeah, boy. and cat oh, dollars. Man. Yeah, in cat dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high conversion rate. Oh, god! Their economy is in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, BT? Any other notes? Yeah, of course. I do like uh, Lisa... Oh, sorry, but... Fuck me. Force a habit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I do like how Homer calls Lisa a know-nothing know-it-all. <laughs> yes! It's a good little... Oh, and that delivery. I don't need any serving suggestions from you! Oh. You barbecue wrecking know-nothing know-it-all? <laughs> Fuck, I love that argument. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Wow, a secret staircase. But what if someone wants a non-alcoholic beer? You know, it's never come up. <laughs> <laughs> Take that non-alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of which we have two in our fridge that have been there for months now. It's a huge market now, man. It's weird. Really? Well, not Is since it? the apocalypse. Yeah. But oh, um, right. ever since Han released their 0.0, it's, we can't keep it on shelves. It's wow. been going like crazy. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's I've... good for a non-alcoholic beer that it's still a non-alcoholic. I don't yeah, get... you still have just to have that. Just drink Pepsi it. Max, available now. Uh, my last note is just the sweetheart of giving Lisa a veggie back ride back home. Oh, that's really Real nice. cute. And that is all my notes. Elliot, do you have more notes? Yeah, I love the heart moment of when Lisa says she's going to marry a carrot. I think okay. that'll be a very lovely union. I'm looking forward to that episode. <laughs> they haven't done that yet, have they? No, Maybe Like no. a jump forward um, where Lisa marries a carrot. Divorces Millhouse in the future and in marries a carrot. carrot. Yeah. Zia has a reliable stepdad now. Yeah, who is Zia's dad? Millhouse. Oh, it was? Okay. That's where she got yeah. the blue streak in her hair. That's disappointing. Isn't uh, it just? It's natural. Could it be a carrot? <laughs> <laughs> My other notes. Uh, it'd be nice to get to know our neighbours outside of a courtroom <laughs> setting. Yes! Uh, <laughs> And my final note is help yourself to this tripe. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh. all the kids like, yay, even though it looks uncooked. People love tripe, apparently. <laughs> it's like tripe is just like random organs, right? To my it's intestines, yeah. yeah. Oh. The poopiest part of the meat. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't they call them tripey crimpies? More people would buy them. <laughs> The crimp's natural. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to rank this thing. Ellen, your turn to go first. Oh, man. Like, if I was a bit hesitant to give our previous episode Platinum, this is just like a no-brainer for me. It's so wonderful. It's so heartfelt. It actually, like, changed me as a person because I was just kind of like, when I first watched it as a kid, it kind of made me come to terms with meat as animals and kind of what that means. I mean, I didn't come become a vegetarian until much later, but it did really open up my eyes and kind of encourage me to to think further about things I just accept verbatim. Yeah, it's a wonderful episode for Lisa and Homer, which is something I really like to see. It's a sweet pairing. BT. Yep, Cubic Zirconia. This is just a really personal episode and really funny. I, there were so many times where I pre-laughed out loud because I'm like, oh shit, I forgot this was coming and was just delighted when I realised. Uh, yeah, it's heartfelt. It's really sentimental. I like that it sticks entirely on Lisa. We don't have a B story that we cut around to and it's not, you know, so many of the newer episodes start with one character and end up the Homer show, but I love that this stays with her and her journey and yeah, it's a fantastic episode. Uh, Cubic Zirconia from me. Yeah, it's like oh, the Lisa I... episode featuring Homer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I forgot. I meant cubic zirconia. I said platinum. I'm a dumb I mean, dumb. We, yeah, we, oh, we okay. know what you mean. You, you knew what I meant. The highest rating, please. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the highest rating by one of the least valuable precious metals. But it's a precious <laughs> metal to us because... Yeah. It's, it's a reference. And I don't think it's a metal. I don't know anything no, about jewelry. It's, it's not. It's, no. It's a stone. <laughs> Precious stone. All right. Crystal or whatever. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. And of course, I'm giving this a cubic. I think it's amazing how this episode opens up a dialogue. Again, ironically, it's like <laughs> sit down and watch this film. It's opening up a dialogue. And uh, gives, you know, people a way to relate to the idea of not eating meat, which I Again, echoing your point, Ellen, you know, for 95, this would have been a very new thing. So it's even more commendable from that and that it holds up so well after, you know, 25 years after the fact Mm -hmm. is just remarkable. Easy cubic zirconia. Yep. Yeah. And you get a cracking recipe for lentil soup. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Available now the, the price bonus of features. a mission. Indeed. But Elliot, <laughs> do you realize this is a unanimous cubic? Do you know what that means? What does it mean, BT? It means this has won the Montgomery Burns Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence, the new <laughs> rank coined by our friends over at Pods in the Key of Springfield. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> seamless. Yeah. Absolutely seamless. Uh, it's a new bit where only just discovered what we can call a unanimous ranking and by gum Nick has done it again and give us a name for it so yes unanimous cubic it's gotten the Simpsons Index Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence I can't believe I nailed it and it'll be the of course and then I fuck up this bit by not having an open phone sorry I was really excited I thought we finally get to do we gotta do the bit the new bit And it'll be the eighth unanimous cubic from season seven. It'll be joining Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, Radioactive Man, Bart Sells His Soul, Bart the Fink, that's where Krusty gets in trouble with uh, the tax and Mm -hmm. the IRS burger and all that, Uh, Home of the Smithers, The Day the Violence Died with Chester A. Lampwick and his Golden House and Rocket Car, 22 short (laughs) films about Springfield, and... Abe Simpson and his grumbling grandson in yes. the curse of the flying hellfish. Such Fuck a good season seven rules. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell, that's that's a lot of great content. Oh yeah, yeah, and and then wow. you know the rest of season seven is like dull cubics and shiny golds. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's such a good season. Yeah. All right. Well, it's about time we get out of here. Ellen, why don't you tell the fine folks at home or wherever they're listening to this what uh, you're doing over uh, at they're Baby? They're listening at home. Oh yeah, <laughs> what you're doing at Baby Beard Media. <laughs> Uh, why, thank you for that seamless segue. Uh, yep, follow us at Baby Beer Media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, where we've actually been launching a new stream of Let's Plays. It's something we're really pushing at at the moment. There's a wonderful series of me and Chris playing Hatterful Boyfriend, which is a bird dating simulator. Watch it. <laughs> devour it. It is fun. It's so funny. Um, I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad because <laughs> it does kind of feel like I'm leading Chris down a path of insanity. Um, <laughs> and maybe I am, but for good content. Uh, yes, we also have podcasts. Uh, so Shut Up and Take My Podcast, which is our Futurama podcast where we pit episode against episode in a bloody glorious gauntlet battle for your entertainment. We're trying to find out what's the best episode of Futurama and we are almost at the finish line before we mm. get into the gauntlet. So it's going to get tense. So you got to be there for that. And mm. yes, our Roll to Cast uh, podcast, which is a role-playing podcast where we do seasons of different role-playing games. Our first season is Cyberpunk 2020, and our second season, which is releasing now, is Vampire the Masquerade. 
awesome. think that's it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, absolutely loving Vampire at the moment. Yeah, your character, um, uh, I almost called her Amelie. Isabel. That was like an NPC yeah. from the last one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do love Amelie from Cyberpunk 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Isabel's been really interesting to play, and especially doing the, uh, the French accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. There's like a lovely amount of tension in the show, and Chris is the DM. Oh, he's building like the suspense. He's so, so brutal, and I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> it's good you're getting a revenge from him in in How to Fall Boyfriend. <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> now he's on my turf. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that about does it for the Simpsons Index for today. Again, thank you so much, Alan. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, what a what a mm. wonderful time we've all had together. Oh, we've grown. We've learnt things. It's the friends we make on the way. And BT, thank you. <laughs> Ahoy. And I've been your host, Elliot J. O'Neill. That's all the mustard in the house. Then we're not leaving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, don't leave the house. <laughs> Bring us my mustard. Thank you for listening to the Simpsons Index podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at simpsonsindex on Twitter and Instagram. And now please stay tuned for the bonus scenes. That's why I dress in evening gowns all the time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to the service station. <laughs> yeah, hey, you can bring some elegance to that. That's fine. Oh, yeah. e- every goddamn day of my life I'm bringing <laughs> elegance to it. It's really unappreciated. <laughs> Can't spell elegance without Ellen. I was about to say. Oh, oh probably. Elegance. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Fucking slammed it. Um, and before we move on, is that reputation justified? Is that reputation Nation justified? justified? Wink. Wink. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we were all holding off and just waiting to see who wins. You know, I was holding off and like, it feels wrong to take it, but at the same time, it feels like it needs it. Wink. Hey, winks for everyone. <laughs> um, and Dennis Perkins of the AV Club. Dennis the wild card Perkins. What does he have to say? He gave it a B minus. This is roughly where we landed on right. it too. Oh, I've pulled the wrong quote. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm cutting it from the episode. We're going long anyway. <laughs> All right. I was going to say, we didn't see much of Academy Award winner Bart Simpson this episode. Well, they should because he is an Academy Award winner. <laughs> He's won an Academy Award. That's canon. Yeah. Yeah.